Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of his age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blindly passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his fire. Thank you, Father. We praise you for every trial, every tribulation, every difficulty, everything that appears to us to be a delay, but we know that the world moves in your perfect timing. We praise you for that because there would be so many of even us, the listeners of this program, that would be lost if it wasn't for the incredible mercy and your unbelievable patience in dealing with the things that we find very difficult to be able to deal with, even be knowledgeable here on the earth at this time. Father, we praise you for that incredible mercy. We thank you for every single person that will ultimately be saved and be part of our brothers and sisters in heaven uh, alongside of us, giving you worship and praise and glory uh, that we are unaware of even today in our daily walk. But we just know that your timing is perfect. We praise you for it. We look back on our lives. We don't understand uh, so much of them, but when we do piece it all together, we see your hand, your glorious hand and of mercy in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you will anoint us, that you will empower us, that you will completely pour out your uh, whatever it is, whatever, uh, uh, you know, a reset that we need in, in our hearts and our minds to be re-strengthened, you know, um, uh, you know and, and ready for the days that we have ahead, as befuddled as we may be, uh, that, that those days that we expected to be imminently ahead of us are still not even here yet. Uh, we, we watch the world spin. We see the threats from the World Economic Forum. We see the uh, pandemics and the bioweapons and the and this monkeying around they've done with the monkeypox and all the, you know, pun intended. And we, we hear the threats of uh, cyber war against the, uh, you know, the, the power grid across the world. It's never ending. But yet at the same time, here we are. Here we are. And for the vast majority of people on the earth, it, it appears that things are turning back to normal. And um, but at the same time, we see this perfect storm occurring that aligns uh, 
supernaturally to the very words that Jesus used in the Olivet Discourse and, and indeed threatens, clearly threatens us, uh, both scientifically, supply chain-wise, and in every sense of the word, with um, uh, starvation across the world in places where it's never happened. We see signs of it happening with certain types of food, but there are predictions by scientists that by the first week of August, the grain supply will be completely dried up and wiped out. That is, of course, unless, uh, you know, the, the shape-shifting evil entities of, from the bowels of hell that are running the United States of Babylon the Great into the ground along with the rest of the Western nations that are following suit. Uh, unless something breaks, you know, some part of this trend stops happening and uh, Russia is allowed to give us, you know, and sell us grain and open up. They're already talking about opening up the water, uh, uh, the uh, the shipping channels and such uh, from Mariupol and, and, and for the grain and that's available through the Ukraine uh, and, and also their own supplies of grain. While there are some countries like India that are pulling back their grain exports, and it's uh, it's it's scary. It's a it's a scary situation to be aware of. It's uh, most people are completely ignorant about it. They they don't talk about it on mainstream news. A few people that are aware of it are you know we all just have to be in a place in our walk, and we just praise you for this, Father, where we trust you. And that is a really really awesome place to be when things you know when we're so aware of so many bad things, so many bad things that are queued up, they're teed up, they're in progress. They're imminently in progress. There's times that have been set by scientists and people that understand the supply chains and the limitations of the storage uh, you know, uh, facilities, et cetera. And, and here we are. And most people are just absolutely just kind of going about life as usual. It is so amazing how perfectly it aligns to the scripture. They will be giving and taking in marriage when all these things are happening. And sure enough, that's exactly how the world is. And it's, it's a burden. It's a tremendous burden, but, but at the same time, a blessing, Father, to be so blessed that we're aware of these things. And we just pray that you will continue to purify us, strengthen us, chasten us, whatever we have to do to whatever we got to go through that we will be ready. We pray in Jesus' name, Father, please let not one, not one single person that, that, that has been a regular listener of this program, even off and on over the years, not one, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, let not one miss the first watch. Let not one of us miss the barley harvest. Because, Father, I don't think anybody, I really don't believe that people understand how Bad things are going to get. Um, we've just kissed up against a few of them. You know, we've had maybe lost a couple of relatives over the, you know, bioweapon release, and the, and we still see people dying almost daily. Uh, famous people, uh, worldwide reports of, of it's just um, um, it's just astonishing. Words can't even begin to describe how dark everything actually is. How imminent the the, the the crises the crises are that are that are heading toward us like a tsunami, a perfect storm. But at the same time, how difficult it is for us to just continue to walk, to wake up, to go to work to get on the flights, to do our jobs, to take care of our houses, to, to, to do the things that we got to do, the daily stuff. It's so difficult to just tarry 
to just carry on. And Father, we just need your anointing. We need that uh, I don't, some kind of an outpouring, an anointing. If there is a such thing, um, Father, I pray that there is. And it says in Matthew nineteen twenty six, with God, all things are possible. And Father, I'm asking you now for an anointing of grace, for an anointing of patience, for an anointing of supernatural trust to fall on each and every one of our hearts. It's so overwhelming. We want it. We're asking you to make it so overwhelming that our knowledge of the things that are happening across the world right now don't mean nothing to us because we trust our Father. And we know you're going to take care of us. And we pray in the name of Jesus that every single person that has ever listened to this program, Father, please, in Jesus' name, that they will be chosen to make the barley harvest when that time comes, because none of us want to be here for the World War III events and the horrible things that are going to be following shortly thereafter. In Jesus' name, we pray and give you all the glory, Father God, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm taking a quick look at the clock here. Um, wait a minute. Oh, I'm going to get this little blood pressure monitor. I got one of these really cool. Man, it is the most awesome BP monitor I've ever had. Hold on a second here. Ah, I found it. All right. I wanted to get – I need a little bit of light here. But, you know, I was just having a conversation with um, Sister Vera, and uh, she's up, She's up. you know, way up north. She's so far up north that, you know, she has to, like, you know <laughs> – kick polar bears out of the way to get to get to her car but anyway praise jesus thank you father but anyway um you know we were having a conversation you know and it's it's one i think it's it's not really one that would be 
unusual to have for those of us who have been awake and aware of the end times and how close we are to the end of the end of the end of the end of times uh, to have this type of a conversation. And one of those conversations is what's going on here? You know, uh, I used to play all the time, and and I can, you know, we can touch on it. You know, uh, again, are we there yet? It's in slow motion. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? And it makes me feel like this, like I wanna, like I, ah, kind of thing, you know. Hey, dude, chill. Let him fade away. We could, we could do one of these, you know. Hey, Pastor Paul. You know, I know. What are we doing here? Why are we still here? Are you serious? Are you serious? Or we could do a quick high-speed review of all of the things that have transpired over the last 11 years and really going back decades and decades of time. Let's do a high-speed review of all the reasons why we should be utterly befuddled. We are still here. Okay. All right. Here goes. Ready? Planet X, Nibiru, Second Sun, FEMA camps, FEMA coffins, great aliens, alien abductions, FEMA trains, mass parades, Nick Bidens, Theater teams, mind control slaves, Phil Schneider, Dolce Wars, Bob Lazar, reverse engineers, alien spacecraft, Bruce Allen Walton, Utah State Penitentiary, Disclosure Project, Clifford Stone, 50 documented species, Georgia Guidestone, reduced population of 500 million, Islamic Rise, I'm on Mahdi, False Messiah, Operation Garden Plot, MK Ultra, 9-11's Inside Drop, Israeli Messiah, Jewish State Collapse, Martin Bush in charge of Securicon, 89-11 Truth, Building 7 Collapses, but not hit by a plane, 7-7 Ripple Effect, Establishment of Northcom, Elimination of Fazi Kamatatis, Russian and Chinese troops on American soil, Denver Airport Underground Bunkers, Forces of the Apocalypse, Close Encounters of the Third Time Coordinates, Chief Underground Military Bases, CIA and key operations relocated to Denver, Atlantis, Lemuria, Middle East Muslim riots, Public Video Surveillance Cameras, Unified Global Control Grid, World Government, NATO, President of records, 951, National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, no habeas corpus, extraordinary rendition, military industrial complex, military extraterrestrial industrial complex, chemtrails, high frequency active world research program, heart, Mahito electron train systems, genetically modified foods, seed balls, terminator seeds, codex elementarius, agenda 21, chip implants, ancient aliens, Anunnaki, hidden nukes, micro nukes, volume micro nukes, underwater pyramids, foreign troop builders, martial law, project blue beam, UFOs around the sun, hybridized humans, Akhenaten hieroglyphs, pyramid shaped UFOs, super soldiers, nanotech, financial collapse, international monetary fund, supercurrency, disclosure secrecy, satellite fiction, corruption of the human genome, perfect, perfectly possessed human, shapeshifting reptilians, vibrational shifts, mainstream media UFO reports, during accelerator, god particle, effect of a rogue planet, any matter accumulator, star beats, wormholes, spirals, asteroids, comets, cosmic disturbances, UFO wars in the Earth's atmosphere. Suns, heliosphere, neutrinos, Earth's core, Earth's magnetosphere, third generation night vision goggles, Earth wobbles, electric orbit, eccentricity of the moon, alien maces, energy orbs, strange sounds, sky trumpets, UFO, FBI documents released, economical religious initiatives, pole shifts, 5013C government trip controls, Leiadian cosmic visitations, global seismic indicators, rise of the new age police, indigo children, star children, Kundalini spirits, personal angels, energy orbs, wind towers, light workers, galactic federation of lies, financial collapse, third seal, media front loading, alien movies, UFOs, prophetic movies, endless distractions, earthquakes, volcanoes, tornadoes, and extended winters, animal die pandemic, manufactured poisons, HIV, H7 and 9, swine flu, Ebola, pineal gland destruction, advanced bioweapons release, and bizarre chicken behaviors on the compound. are 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 
established before the debate even begins, and everyone else is marginalized or made to seem either to be communist or was some sort of disloyal person, a kook, there's a word, and now it's conspiracy. Say, they've made that something that, that, is, that is, should, should not be even entertained for a minute, that powerful people might get together and have a plan. Doesn't happen. You're a kook. You're a conspiracy buff. There's a big conspiracy. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> Planet X. One of the favorite topics a lot of people uh, want to learn about. I've been asked to actually do programs on dedicated 100% to just Planet X. Um, Elenin. Boy, that's at something gone by, right? FEMA camps, FEMA coffins, FEMA trains. Surely we've all heard about those, right? Mass graves. You know, there was, a, there was a period of time for approximately four or five months when uh, that was all the, the buzz. There were, there were so much footage, video. It was amazing of all the mass graves that were being, uh, you know, for, for an, I, don't, I, I guess an untold number of people, just absolutely huge facilities. Uh, naked body scanners, that's, that's almost like a forgotten thing now, right? But it used to be a big deal. What about all the reports of the guillotines that people have seen, people being trained, uh, soldiers coming forward and freaking out and telling people that, you know, hey, they were recruited to, to go in and learn how to operate them and all that kind of weirdness. Uh, people that have seen them in the back of trucks, people that have seen them on in, on, uh, on railway cars. Um, it's mind control slaves. You know, a lot of people will ask me, like, what's up with all these mass killings and things like that? And I my answer is always going to be the same. Now, I know that I have a percentage of error in there, but the whole concept of, cre of the creation of mind control slaves, it doesn't have a limit. It can be children. It can be, you know, th these things are very real. Satanic ritual abuse, disassociative identity disorder, uh, a phone call in the middle of the night uh, where somebody says a, a keyword or something like that, and the person snaps, goes, gets a gun or whatever, and, and they go and do bad things, real bad things. Um, Georgia Guidestones, who doesn't know about that? What about is, is, the, is, is the rise of the, uh, you know, the Imam Mahdi? You know, that, that's still a big deal, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of folks that have discussed this, even at the potential of uh, Obama being or being seen easily as being the Imam Mahdi, which, of course, there's an association with aliens in regard to the return of the Imam Mahdi. A lot of people don't know about that. Okay, we got Operation Garden Plot. That's like really old news, but very directly related to uh, the FEMA coffins, FEMA camps, all that kind of stuff, the, uh, the, 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 the mass graves, all this. The MK Ultra. okay, the mind control, uh, the use of uh, radio waves and various things like that. They, I, I have no doubt in my mind that there were uh, such technologies heavily in use on the January 6th riot. I know as a fact that they rolled in special, uh, very special, exceedingly advanced high-tech uh, 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 equipment uh, to uh, stir things up there and to also do facial recognition, scanning, and all that kind of stuff so they could track everybody and try to make a bigger big, – it's just unbelievable. There are still people in jail over that, having their lives destroyed. Um, don't even get me going on 9-11. That's about 50 shows right there. You've got Northcom. A lot of people forget about this, but Northcom was moved. Uh, actually, the, the, it was the creation of Northcom. There was no Northcom. Northcom was created something to the effect of about 12 years ago. And um, it was for the purpose, it was the first time ever in the history of the United States of America where a military base, a military establishment, not just a base, but a, but, but a whole command, 
was put uh, out in the Denver area uh, to uh, for the, for one purpose, for doing military operations directly on the soil of the United States. And there was a bunch of us. Oh, that's an, that's a, you know against the posi commentator. I heard that so many times in my. I think it's probably why I have this yamaka sized uh, bald spot on my head. Government relocations to Denver. There was a whole lot of major facilities that relocated uh, huge operations uh, over to the uh, Coral Springs area. The Denver area, okay, and 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 of course, you know, for anybody who knows about it and ought to know about it, you 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 would be aware that you know the Denver airport. If you look at it from above, uh, Google Earth or whatever, you will see that the airport runways are in a they are swastikas. It's a it's a giant swastika. Uh, m- many of us are aware that the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind has a tele- a scene in the very beginning of the movie where there's a teletype machine going well when you put those little numbers that it's typing out of course they're making like it's something else but when you type those in as coordinates into Google guess what guess what it comes right over the Denver airport now granted it's 20 miles off but you know that was 1983 the Denver airport didn't even break ground until 1993 it's like 10 years later. So the, the, that, that's just astonishing. Um, you, you know, we, we, many of us have studied Atlantis, Lemuria, the alien presence on the Earth, uh, millions of years of that noise long before uh, Adam and Eve got injected on the Earth. And I, I believe, I, I think Zen Garcia nailed it, that the original uh, Garden of Eden wasn't from a realm standpoint, from a from a from a realm, a realm like a dimension, that it wasn't directly originally on the earth, that it fell on the earth, was injected on the earth, but the earth was teeming. It had Atlantis, Lemuria, reptilian beings, all kinds. It was like a inter, intergalactic way station, and even to the state of Paul White to use it. For that exact purpose, they land their ships to repair their ships. They have entire families and children, and they get clothes from Las Vegas. Oh, gosh, it's so creepy. I'm actually going out there this week. My goodness, I could see some tall whites, and I wonder if I'd even realize I was looking at them. Probably now I would. (sighs) The list just goes on and on. There's so many things. The deep underground military bases, that's like old news, right? The public video surveillance cameras. That used to be a big thing, man. Ten years ago, boy, people were just like, hey, what are all these cameras doing up on the street here? I can't see. And, you know, and they're everywhere now. They're everywhere. Okay. um, You know, it it just goes on and on. I mean, back back when I wrote this list, I didn't even I've never heard of a World Economic Forum. Now we got Nazis threatening to just unbelievable the things that are happening on the on chemtrails. That's old news. Shouldn't be, but it is. But it's just after a while, your cup runneth over. You know, uh, harp. That used to be all the talk. Every every time there was an earthquake, somebody come out and go, "Well, it was obviously harp. It was harp, 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 harp. This harp, that harp, harp, harp." And I'm like, you know, it, it's like you have stolen all of God's thunder. My Bible says that God's in control of these things. You know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, High-frequency active auroral research project. Ruh-roh. Oh, my goodness. It's enough to just make me say. I mean, GMO foods. 
<laughs> it's like, what do you eat if you if you if you if you gotta like eat unless you're growing your own stuff, and then you don't even know where the seeds came from. What about the Terminator seeds? Monsanto Terminator seeds. Look it up. Codex Alimentarius chip implants, huh? Hidden nukes all over the United States. These are reports that came in oh well over ten years ago. Um, it's just unbelievable. I mean, hybridized humans, Akhenaten hieroglyphs, pyramid-shaped UFOs. Where, did they, where have they all gone lately? I mean, there was a lot of that action going on for a long time. Shape-shifting reptilians, that's old news, right? Perfectly possessed humans, which essentially are usually some type of reptilian entity by that point. I mean, it just keeps on going on. Thorn accelerator stuff. That used to be a big deal. I mean, boy, everybody was like, sir, this is it. It's going to blow. It's like, no, nothing ever. No, nothing. Stargates, wormholes, spirals. Remember how the spirals were in the sky constantly? It was like a week couldn't go by. You couldn't go an entire three or four days between a radio show without seeing another gigantic spiral in the sky. Oh, I'm sure they're still out there. I just guess maybe we're too too uh, distracted by all the other apocalyptic things that are going on around there. Um, uh, it, it just it, the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, uh, the the ecumenical religious things, creepy stuff. That's all progressed forward. Paul, uh, what about all the fuss five, six, seven years ago? I mean, gosh, was it what was it about five years ago? Everybody was like, but there's going to be a magnetic pole shift. Uh, the whole Earth is going to flip. Oh my gosh, pole shift, pole shift, pole shift, pole shift. Everybody's flipping out and crying on YouTube. Pole shift. No. Here we are. Uh, It's rise of new age beliefs, indigo children, star children, kundalini, spiritual events, energy orbs, light workers, economic turmoil. What do we got now? We got economic chaos. (laughs) It's just, you can't, uh, I got to put this list down. I just, I can't, I'm going to flip out. I'm going to need, I'm going to have to take that shrimp fork and use it uh, to, uh, for brain surgery. (laughs) Oh, what's left of it, that is. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, the question is how how much stuff has been going on? You know, if we're honest with ourselves, how many of these things have been going on for so, so long? Oh, my gosh, it didn't even take it. I don't understand that. I've got something going on with the website. that That's not cool. All right, I'm going to have to work on it. I don't have time. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But, yeah, I mean, look at all the things that have been going on, the threats from the World Economic Forum, the upcoming midterm elections, which should be, I mean, really, when you think about it, if what is being predicted happens and there is this massive, gigantic Republican red wave of voters that just overwhelms all of the fraud systems uh, and, you know, they're going to overturn virtually every evil thing that Obama and his um, – robotic reptilian carcass of a whatever he is, they're going to overturn it all. They're going to overturn it all. 
And um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm blown away by that. Because what do we got? We get we're at the end of May, so we got June, July, August, September, October, November, six months. That is that is so mind frying to me to have been doing this program for over eleven years, tracking all of these things, some of which I read, you know, and talked about briefly, um, knowing that they're all still in play. You know, Planet X hasn't gone anywhere. Okay. As a matter of fact, there's there's even additional there's new reports that are I think one of them's in our our lineup tonight. Uh, there are new reports in regard to Planet X. Um, so it's not stopping, but yet it's been going on seemingly almost forever. Really, when you think about it. And of course, I'm getting WordPress uh, warnings. You know, your website is going to explode into a bazillion pieces and blah 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 blah. And, uh, I don't know. I'm, it's, I'm paying people to take care of it, and they're not taking care of it. They're naughty, naughty, pants on fire. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see here. Spiritual warfare. Why did that not inject? Let me try to do this one more time. Let's seem to take it. Let me see. Uh, anyway, so the question is why? Oh, and by the way, for anybody who wants to take the time and, you know, we're we're all slammed with all kinds of crazy weirdness in our lives right now. Amen. Praise God. But if you do end up having the time to kick around and you want to go back and listen to the Friday night prayer vigil on the 27th, the one that the, the most recent one, um, I've had gotten some communications from some folks that, you know, uh, one, one fellow in particular was very, uh, very, very grateful that I did that program because I showed how, Second Thessalonians 2 is talking about the rapture. And um and a lot of people don't realize that. And and that's that's an unfortunate thing. And so um anyway, praise God um uh you know, I went ahead and did that and I think that you will be very blessed by it um because it will help to prevent you from getting sucked into the whirlwind of what I have called over the years, many, many times over the years, the rapture bubble, okay? Because what happens is as we go through cycles of darkness and weirdness and creepiness and apocalypticness over the years and years and years and years and years of time, then people will start to go, uh, they just become overwhelmed and they're like, well, the rapture must be about to happen any second now. So it will create a rapture bubble. And then people will get sucked into that vortex of that rapture bubble, and everybody will start getting excited. The rapture is going to happen any second. Rapture is going to happen any second. Rapture is going to happen any second. Any second. Any second. Any second. Any second. And we we we've we, we've rode that wave. The, the, you know, I've ridden that wave. Sister Nancy's ridden that wave. Almost many of the listeners have ridden that wave. We thought for sure that in uh, 2015 based on prophecies, dreams, visions of literally thousands of people, but we only brought a few of them on the show, but the the list was huge, that martial law was going to be instituted before the end of 2015, and Obama was going to stay in the presidency, and then all the T.D. Hill visions and everything were going to come true, and uh, and we were just going to be jettisoned. I mean, just literally thrown off the cliff right into the apocalypse. Super powerful martial law, the whole deal, gathering people up, uh, no habeas corpus, uh, the NDAA 2012, all that kind of creepy weirdness. We were all ready for it. And here we are. How many years go by? 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. We're in the middle of 2022. That's seven years later. 
it's really hard to understand how you know these uh, all these things, all these apocalyptic things that have been queued up for wow decades of time, and we're still seeing the threats. We're still seeing the impossible to believe. We're still seeing this entire Nazi-filled country over in the Ukraine being used as this the humongous military garbage pit uh, for for the entire Western civilization to throw all of their military weapons. Weaponry and everything that they have, which I'm not, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it can all go burn in Gehenna. I don't want nothing to do with any of that stuff, but I'm just saying the things that we're seeing queued up, the things that we're seeing that are they're queued up, they're just queued up. I almost envision it like this big row of dominoes. But the thing is, nobody ever hits the domino, and the, the dominoes never completely fall. It's like they're leaning, it's like dominoes in sand. You know what I mean? It's like you hit the first domino and it kind of hits the next one, hits the next one. It starts to slowly and then it just stalls. And I'm like, what? what wait a minute. You know, I, I was really, I mean, honest to goodness, I was really anticipating that Klaus Schwab and his, I did not take that as an idle threat. When he was talking about, we must have a cyber security. We must have a cyber attack that takes down the grid. It would make the pandemic look like a bad day. When I heard him say that, I was thinking to myself, well, well, daggone it, I got to brace myself for this stuff. You know, especially this time of the year. And it's exceedingly hot. And having to fly to Vegas, oh, my gosh. I mean, that is the, it's like the one place on Earth that I believe that maybe God actually does have a giant magnifying glass over. And he's like burning, the, he's slow burning the whole place because it's just, oh, God, it's like the hottest place. Anyway, but it's, you know, when how is it? What? I mean, I know, believe me, I know how it feels. I, I have people tell me all the time, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, and, they're, and we're all on guard. We're all on mega guard, okay, because we know that all of the threats have been we, – we've heard not all of them, but we've heard a humongous percentage of them. And, and, and a lot of them came forward. They, I mean, they were like, you know, broadcast across the entire world, um, you know, and from different places like BitChute and Bandot Video and all that kind of stuff. And anybody who is willing to listen or hear what they were saying or paying any attention at all, it ought to be somewhat aware of the dire situation, the, the magnitude of the ugly. And that is a um, that that it's bad and and but yet nothing's happening. So I I guess I will just stay in a con- continuous state of what I would call befuddlement. Um, uh, uh, hallelujah! Yeah, the, the website is definitely. Um, I'll have to I'll have to wait until I get back and work on it later. I can't do it this week, but anyway, uh, I'll have to get on, on with the GoDaddy people because they're supposed to be taking care of it, and they're obviously dropping the ball, and who knows why. But anyway, um, but yeah, what, what is what's going on? What is going on? That's really the the quintessential question because when you as we as anyone who has a little bit of an analytical mind would typically do, you would run, you would assess all of the events. You'd look, you would assess the threats. You'd look at all of, you'd write them down, make a list of all the threats that have come from, from the, we'll just say, let's just go ahead and only take the ones from the World Economic Forum. And we'll just put all the other sources of apocalyptic threats aside. Okay. Just those. You wonder, what would any normal thinking person do? 
We would say, what the heck? Where are they? Why haven't any of these things happened? Why are we getting ever closer to the midterm elections? Yet it's almost like it's same as it ever was. 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 It's it's like you know it's like the the Groundhog movie D again. It's like we have to rewind this radio show back ten years to when we were playing the ground. You know the uh, the, the Sunny and Chair. You know and and. <laughs> And Bill Murray, you know, reaching over and smashing the alarm clock every single day, waking up. And we're right back there still, even now. But the things that we have queued up are alarming. We have more alarming things queued up right now than we've ever had. The question is, are any of them going to actually end up happening? Like we know about the baby, the, the, the baby formula problem, and, but we also know that they, there are shipments, huge, humongous ship, ships, giant ships that are coming over from the United Kingdom and other parts of the world that are, that, are, that, that are delivering baby formula to the United States. So the question, I, you know, and Russia is holding out their hands. Now, now, now it, it, depending on who you listen to, but what's really happening is you've got this attack wave of Western nations that are saying, oh, well, we're going to follow along with the, uh, you know, the sanctions against Russia. But they're not. Okay, they're saying that they are, but they're not. So there are a lot of countries in Europe that are just going ahead and they're bypassing the sanctions and they're buying uh, liquid, liquid natural gas, LNG, which is the number one energy export of, uh, of Russia uh, into Europe. Now, but, but they're ignoring it. They're just going ahead and buying it anyways. But then there are other countries that aren't buying it. So it's really disconnected and weird and uh, and very unusual. You've got on the flip, you know, you've got uh, scientists and whoever the the agricultural you know geniuses are that you know uh, project you know food supplies and stuff on a global level and all that. They're coming out and they're saying we got till August first, and then all grain supplies are gone. But at the same time, you've got Putin coming forward and telling the whole world he's like, hey, look, I got plenty, and I, I'm I'm happy to share it with you. It's just this is the weirdest apocalyptic period this planet has ever seen. Things are disconnected. You can't trust anything. You can't, you know, you've got people flipping out and saying this and saying that. And Christians come forward. It's it's like I still remember, still remember during the right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, the bioweapon attack against mankind, the Wuhan lab that was funded by Fauci and Obama. Okay, these entities from the bowels of hell. Okay, I still remember it's 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 stuttering. It's it's absolutely causes you to stutter because you see what could have, should have, and was projected to happen, but it didn't. I'm not saying that that it wasn't bad. It was real bad. I lost relatives. I lost friends. You know, and but there are still people dying today. Ray Liotta. 67 years old, people are like, you know, but they're making no connection to the to the to the shot, to the vaccine or to boosters or anything with Ray Liotta, of course. And that's what's going to be happening. What we're going to be seeing is more and more people dropping like flies all over the world. Now, granted, you know, this is nothing like a lot of the Christians were projecting. They were projecting like six million people and there's a secret red button and somebody's going to press that red button and there's going to be and all the spike proteins are going to turn into a deadly and everyone's going to walk around and and eat babies and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no. 
They have to have plausible deniability. And they have it, and people are dying. And it's just awful. But what about all the other things that are queued up? What about the uh, the mass starvation? Is that going to take place? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm watching, and it certainly – every indicator indicates. I mean, no matter where you look, no matter what part of the world that you look in, every indicator, anybody that does even a light analysis of the situation is that we are heading into the perfect storm right now. We're literally in the perfect storm. It's like it's like you you make a list of everything that Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse, you, you, and the seals period, the second seal. I believe that we're in the second seal that it's being manifest through Russia right now, the beginning of it, and the third seal, which is a global financial collapse, and it even uses wheat, amazingly so, uh, as or you know barley and wheat, whatever, uh, you know. As an example of, uh, you know, a, a, a day's pay costing, you know, like a quarter wheat. Okay, that, that's amazing considering, I mean, it's like making the Bible read like a newspaper. Because that's the number one thing, you know, pretty much that, that, that the uh, global economists are talking about right now, apocalyptically speaking. So it's it's just, it's astonishing that we're still here. It's astonishing that nothing... Absolutely, unbelievably cataclysmic has happened yet, given that we're just six months away from the midterms and a complete reversal of all things Antichrist. Um, it's 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 mind bending. It's absolutely astonishing and um, uh, stupefying. I love that word, stupefying, because it means it's like me. I get you know you, you get so blown away that you can barely form a sentence. You're like stuttering, and but yet is something huge going to happen in the next six months. How much of what's going on out there right now is sleight of hand to distract us perhaps from something much, much bigger and much more sinister than we could ever imagine? I don't know. All I can say is that I'm befuddled and blown away that we have even gotten this far. What was it, about eight months ago, six months ago, eight months ago that Klaus Schwab made the threat about the cyber attack on the, on the power grid? That's a long time to go by. I mean, there and plus much more. I mean, they're still, you know, they're they're tossing out all kinds of horrific things that they're planning to do in a, you know, to do to mankind. This whole global reset is a big deal to them, but yet at the same time, it's almost as if things have stalled somewhat. So I don't know. I, I guess we just have to continue to draw in closer. I mean, why wouldn't we continue to take every moment that we can to draw in closer to our Father, to be totally immersed in trust totally immersed in his trust and trust in him because as things do get worse over, you know, however long this is going to be stretched out. I mean, if, I, if anybody had told me that I would have been still here, you know, in 2022 doing this program, I, I, I don't know how I would have reacted. I probably would have had a breakdown. <laughs> I probably would have fallen to the ground in tears, in heaving tears going, no, Lord, please, no. But here we are. Here we are. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It is amazing all of the things that are going on. Yet here we are. How many of these things are going to continue? How long will this be drawn out? Will the midterms occur? Will the Republicans, and, and, and you know, those of you who are listening from other countries, you may be like, well, why is Johnny so focused on the midterm? Well, here, you got to understand that from, a, from an apocalyptic standpoint, 
Israel and the United States of Babylon the Great are front and center. Okay, It doesn't mean that France isn't going to be sucked into the pit. It doesn't mean that Moldova isn't going to be sucked into the pit. They're all, the whole world's going to get sucked into this vortex of apocalyptic ugly. But biblically speaking, the, if you will, the, the country epicenters of all things apocalyptic, uh, you know, end of the world, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, uh, Gog and Magog, you name it. Okay, it's Israel and the United States. A lot of people misinterpret a lot of the scripture and assume that it's talking about Israel when, in fact, it's actually talking about the United States even more than they realize. So... All, all we can do, I mean, really, we gotta, we got to really put an effort forth into drawing in closer to the Lord, analyzing is very, just with great fervor, great fervor, analyze how we feel in our hearts about every little thing that we see. Is there any iniquity in our hearts? Is there anything that's impure? Talk to our Father, praise Him, ask Him, pray for Him to purify you, pray for Him if you have a, a behavior that, you, that, 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 that overtakes you sometimes that you know that you shouldn't do or think, pray about it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, 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 I command that stronghold into the pit in Jesus' name, and I give you all the praise and honor and glory. Father, thank you, Jesus, for getting rid of it. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me. Thank you, Father. For just give them praise, 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 because you know that God's going to answer that prayer. It might not seem, it might take forever. You might be like, I can't believe I'm still having problems with this. Just keep on praising. Because God is going to come through. He's going to come through to you. Keep on. Go, be direct. Say, Father, I do not want to be here past barley harvest. Whatever I got to do to serve you, whatever I got to do to help people, whatever, uh, you know, help me find people to buy groceries. Help me to find people that I can fill their gas tanks up and tell them about Jesus. Help me to touch other people's lives as we all ought to be doing right now. Amen. Praise God. Uh, because, uh, you know, it, it is time very, very well spent uh, as we are waiting for whatever the next big event is. You know, I, I'm just like I said, I'm I'm my mind is come as Jonathan Clegg would put it. I got you're going to have to take a spatula to, to you know, pull your chin off the off the ground. I right, praise God. That's that's about how it is. And I can only imagine anybody who's been doing this as long as we all have been doing it. We're 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 we're, we're befuddled. And uh, but yet we know we can our 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 Jesus Holy Spirit sixth sense if you want to call it whatever is you know it's overwhelming we know we know that something big is coming we can feel it but what we don't know is when and we don't know what and don't and then and by the way that doesn't even include all the things that we have queued up that that are biblical and or were from good prophecies dreams and visions we got a ton of stuff that's queued up ton of stuff but there's more. There's more, and uh, and we just don't know how long it'll be before the next you know big event actually occurs. Praise God, right, kids? And we none of us have any idea. But it is it's 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 befuddling, isn't it, kids? Come on, you know. See, you guys are always happy. It doesn't matter. We can talk about you know uh, shape shifting reptilians all day long, and you'd be like. <laughs> Because to you guys, you know, massive uh, 8.5 earthquakes and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, volcanoes popping off everywhere, wiping out entire villages. And yeah, see? see? All right, that's because you guys know that it all ends up in one place. Right there into the hands of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's just amazing. Praise God. Kids. Kids, what do you call a penguin in the desert? 
What do you call a penguin? There's all kinds of different species of penguin. What do you call a penguin in the desert? Lost! <laughs> it's lost! <laughs> right, kids? <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Yeah. Any penguins in the desert is definitely lost. All right, kids. What do you get when you cross a centipede with a parrot? A centipede with a parrot. A walkie-talkie. <laughs> you know, centipede with Come on, kids. Right. Hallelujah. All right. Now, one more, kids. All right. Where should you never take your dog? Where should you never take your dog? A flea market. <laughs> take your dog to the flea market. Because, you know. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, we're starting to run a little short on kids' jokes here. I only got enough to last. Well, at the rate of speed that things are happening, <laughs> I might need a few more, quite a few more pages to, to, to tide us over. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyway, on that note, let's just go ahead and go through the news and then bring on Sister Paige Kofi. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. God, thank you, Jesus. And speaking of Planet X, listen to this. Uh, so sent in uh, by one of the, one of our listeners, and I praise God for the uh, because otherwise we might have missed it. And this is significant. So get this: the the Independent, which is a um, uh, well, evidently some type of an I don't know. We'll just pretend that they're telling the truth in their name. But anyway, it's a newspaper out of the United Kingdom. And and the headline is, Vatican astronomers discovers mysterious new object in our solar system. I'm like, okay. I mean, so we've only had like, what, 500 reports of planet nine, planet this, something's on the edge of the solar system. You know, we've we've read uh, this, uh, this, I don't know, uh, you know, portions of the Iorio paper on the eccentricity of the moon around the earth. That's old news now. Which, by the way, if it's happening to the moon, it's also happening to the Earth, which explains all the, you know, the, the stuff that they call climate change, which is really just catastrophic. It's catastrophic climate change, but, it, but it's not one or the other. It's all of the above. All right. Praise God. But anyway, according to this report, it says uh, an astronomer at the Vatican Observatory has found a new body, which, of course, to, to them, that, that's, that's liar, liar, pants on fire. There's not, the Vatican has been watching Planet X heading toward uh, planet Earth, uh, you know, in this direction uh, for like forever. All right. Hallelujah. But and, and of course, they have the Lucifer uh, telescope. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a, an optical device that they connect to the Vatican Vat telescope so that it is able to see uh, infrared. Because a brown dwarf, a proper brown dwarf, uh, not one that's like you know, morphing or whatever, but if, it, if, it's, if it's completely collapsed, it's 273, I think it is, degrees, uh, minus 273 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, it is like a floating magnet. 
it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And, uh, and you need to have infrared in order to be able to see it. Well, what's fascinating is uh, this happens – so – it, you know, it's right here. It says the trans-Newtonian object, TNO, has been designated 2021 XD-7 and was spotted by Richard Boyle using the Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, of course, with the Lucifer attachment. Uh, they would, you know, why wouldn't they? Anyway, it's just unbelievable. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. British media whitewashing Ukrainian neo-Nazis, UK journalist tells RT. So more and more people are coming forward. That's moral of this story. I could sit here and just, I could read the whole thing. I could, you know, and ha- give you the names of the journalists and all, and all that. But in this particular case, the person's name is Steve Sweeney. But they have, it, it's an endless new flow of journalists from all over the world. Not that it hasn't been happening for quite some time, but it's happening now more publicly than it has happened ever. Uh, and many, many of them are coming out from all over the place, and they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this Nazi thing that Russia's been talking about over in the Ukraine is very real, okay? Okay, so the cat's out of the bag, but you know how it is. People sit there, and they'll, they'll drool and watch their Fox News, and they'll believe whatever they see on, you know, and it's like sleight of hand. Anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Bill Gates predicts when the next pandemic could hit the world. You know, it's kind of funny. The foxes, the finders, think they behind her. My mom used to say that all the time. You know, if you're the one who's doing it, what better a person to predict it, right? Anyway, so um, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen with monkeypox? Who knows what's going to happen with this? They got a, an outbreak, another big outbreak of dengue fever, which is absolutely painful, miserable, horrible. Uh, they, they've got the uh, the Congo fever, which is a hemorrhagic fever. It's not as bad as uh, Ebola, but that's there's a big outbreak of that uh, happening in the Middle East. Um, and then, of course, we get the monkeypoxing, which, which, which who knows what they've done to it from you know from a bioweapon standpoint and then what about something else you know again we have no idea what's what's coming but the boy the way these entities from the bowels of sheol are chattering one would have to assume they've got something queued up um but anyway next one up world net daily uh announces moderna is dumping 30 million unwanted covid vaccinations it says that they are in the process of throwing 30 million doses in the garbage because nobody wants them Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's been paying attention out there. Oh, my goodness. Next one up. Hallelujah. Davos Conference reveals building blocks for green social credit system. So everybody's going to get a you know, secret rating. And it's, you know, and then, then, then next thing you know, nobody will be able to get any, an apartment building or credit for anything because, hey, you looked up, you know, something controversial on the internet and we got that against you so we're going to take your we're going to reduce your score from 805 to drum roll <laughs> you know what oh gosh oh the world what a mess next one up after summer europe to target the unvaccinated i thought it was over but no it's not it says anyone who imagines the suspension of covid related measures in much of europe means uh, uh means that those measures and hence the c19 vaccination campaign are things of the past well what they're saying here is uh-uh don't even think about it for a second it, it, it basically they're actually coming up with 
more sinister evil plans to force these things upon us. So what's, what's queued up? We don't know. We just got to keep on watching. But don't think it's gone away. That's for sure. Praise God. Next one up. Vladimir Putin given three years to live, according to this report. It says he's losing eyesight due to his illness, according to some Russian spy. Well, we know how that works. Is it true? We don't know. We're just going to have to wait. Uh, and you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not so sure from an apocalyptic biblical end times timeline that it's all that terribly important. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. All right. Epic Times reports that the CDC raises a travel alert for monkeypox. Oh, no. Monkeypox here. Monkeypox there. Monkey, monkey, monkey everywhere. And, and you know what? And what did they do to it? What, what gain of function did they do to the monkeypox thing? That's what I want to know. Next one up. Deadly nosebleed fever shocks Iraq as the cases surge. This is that one that was uh, it, it was originally called the, uh, the, the Congo fever or something like that. It's kind of like a form of Ebola, but not Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. CCHF or something like that. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. Well, welcome to the end times. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Cost of living crisis forces more Brits to the food banks. And they got smiley, happy people standing in lines for food. And, uh, you know, the situation is, I think it's far, far worse than we realize. But we're just going to have to wait and see what our Heavenly Father has in store uh, as we progress forward deeper into the creepiest, darkest times that has ever seen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Global food crisis may spread from grain to sugar. I'm I'm like, well, that's the least of my worries because I'm on a keto diet. So (laughs) just, I don't actually, I don't eat grain or sugar. So, all right, I'm clear. No, I'm just joking. Anyway, praise God. Next one up. France limits water usage. Restrictions have been introduced in 24 departments due to a severe drought in France. Never mind the one that's going on over in California, which is unbelievable. As a matter of fact, there was one report that I read that said it named two different uh, cities that have shrunk or because of the groundwater receding and going away the the crust of the earth is collapsing down on itself and it's causing these cities their actual height you know um whatever to shrink down so they're actually a couple of feet lower than they have been in the past uh there's all kinds of weird creepy things going around lake mead and all that kind of stuff and, and water restrictions and is it, we're, I, folks i don't even think this is going to be a a very challenging summer. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Iran shows off underground drone base. Uh, and, of course, not, not, nobody should be surprised about that. Uh, next one up. British, uh, li- listen to this. British media whitewashing the Ukrainian neo-Nazi uh, uh, story. So here's another report, again, about more and more people coming forward and telling the opposite side of the story, which has been suppressed by the Western lying mainstream media, which unfortunately most of us, I, I can't, I don't know, it's just, ah, welcome to planet Earth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, please hurry. Uh, next one up. Uh, Al Jazeera News reports, Putin says Russia is ready to allow Ukraine grain exports. You think that's ever going to make it on, uh, you know, MSNBC? <laughs> You know, ask yourself that question, really. You think it will? No. You could. You can't have anything. I mean, no, no, no. Anyway, next one up. Hallelujah. South Korea continues to purchase Russian gas without issues, according to sources. It's not just them. Uh, the, the United Kingdom is pu- uh, purchasing Russian gas. 
tons, uh, bunches of countries are, are purchasing Russian gas, and they're all violating all the sanctions. It, it's can't really comment on it. It's just mind bending. And, and it, anyway, um, and again, you've got Russia coming out there. there you, you, you've got these people that are experts on, on global supply chains, on food and everything, warning that we're going to run out again uh, of grain supplies by uh, the beginning of August. Yet you have the largest grain supplies in the entire world, which are in Russia and the Ukraine. And you've got Putin basically saying, here, here you are, man. Here you go. We're, we'll give it to you. Here it is. Come in. Here it is. What's anybody doing? World Net Daily, World Economic Forum leader, globalists need more power to counter the growing COVID skepticism. What does that mean? More power. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. This is just absolute. It's insanity. And I, I really, I, I think, um, I think we need a new, you know, like, paragraph or something that put in the book of like Ecclesiastes or whatever, you know, instead of vanity, vanity, all the world is, needs to say insanity, insanity, all the world's insanity. Al Jazeera reports landslides and floods killed dozens in North. This, this is happening all over the world. Land, landslides, floods, same stuff as has been happening every single year, but it's getting more intense every year. Watch what happens with, with the brush, with the fires this year. Watch what happens. It'll be worse than last year. It's getting worse every single year. But for those who aren't paying attention, it's, you know, it's just, oh, you know, just another fire. Look, here, here we go. Listen to this. Uh, Russia Today reports government admits to accidentally starting a massive wildfire. You know, accidentally, right? Okay, President Joe Biden's administration has identified the culprit behind the two blazes that merged last month to become this, you know, and, uh, the state of New Mexico's biggest wildfire on record. Just keeps on going. World Health Organization using monkeypox to justify humans' rights violations with experimental vaccines, according to the World Council for Health. Oh, great. Here we go again. Another headline. Spain initiates uh, energy austerity with air conditioning limits. Man, if they come anywhere near my house, I'm gonna have, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, let me tell you something. You don't want to be, and this is a really, really hot, hot season. Uh, I I don't recall. It's just Tampa, Florida right now is hot. Let's just leave it at that. And I can't believe I'm going to be flying into a place that's even hotter. Next one up. Sunday Time News. Moscow will help alleviate the food crisis if the West lifts the politically motivated sanctions. Putin's going, here you go, man. You're having shortages, no problem. We have a ton. Here you go. Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons. Problem solved. Another headline report, it's a major storm hits Northern California, hailstones the size of tennis balls. This kind of stuff has been going on forever, folks. Um, a, another World Health uh, official came out and officially made this announcement and said that monkeypox could just be the tip of the iceberg. What iceberg? What do they have queued up? How many gain-of-function experiments have they been working on on how many more incredibly evil and many times the magnitude more deadly of viruses out there? We don't know. Nigeria, dozens killed by a stampede at a church event. <laughs> okay. And you know why? Because they were trying to give out, as best as I can tell from reading this report, it, was, it appears that they were trying to give out food and charity for the people that were in the lines, but they got so worked up and they basically knocked down the gate and ch charged right over the top of every, and 30, 31 people died. Kids too. 
This is amazing. Iran seizes two Greek tankers in retaliation for the United States seizure of a Russian vessel carrying its oil. These are all acts of war, by the way. Senators demand Biden turn over all internal records on the Ministry of Truth. That's an oxymoron. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and more. There's just endless, endless, endless reports of different types of viruses all over the world. Health alert issued as, mysterious, uh, as mysteriously emerged virus grips of the remote African island paradise. And in this particular case, this one here is dengue fever. Uh, and uh, anyway, it's in the country of Sao Tome and Principe, or pr- Prince, uh, whatever. I can't pronounce it. It's an African, some kind of an island off the coast of Africa. All right. Uh, burger prices remain high as cattle ranchers shrink down their herds. No, no, don't shrink down anything. (laughs) Sandstorms, people sending thousands of people to the hospital. It's unbelievable. Peru has 7.2 earthquakes, but they always get. But nevertheless, World Economic Forum, globalists have entered the kill phase of the Great Reset, it says in this one report. It says, remember the Deagle population forecast? Well, now it makes total sense. But yet, here we are. Anyway, it just keeps on going. Hundreds stranded after a ransomware attack on an Indian airline. Oh, boy. Uh, It just keeps on going. Russia named the world's top wheat exporter. Well, if we would just knock off all the monkey business. Oh, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Paige Kofi again. And then she's going to help us. She's going to talk to us about her journey uh, after the the, uh, near-death experience that she went through, what a powerful testimony that was, and also uh, how it led her into specializing in spiritual warfare and whatever else the Lord uh, leads her to share with us. Praise God. I think this is awesome. All right, and let's go ahead and bring her live. Praise God. Thank you for holding and hanging in there. Uh, went about 10 minutes over. Sorry about that. But you have plenty of time, Sister uh, uh, Sister Kofi. Now, I am saying that right. Kofi, right? With a long O? <laughs> it's, uh, it, different people pronounce it different ways, but it's actually coffee, like the coffee that you drink, except it's spelled with an E-Y at the end instead of E-E. Okay. I'm, I'm turning up my volume controls because you sound a little bit distant. Go ahead and try again. Let me see if this works. Hang on just a second. Okay. Is that any better? Is that is that better or worse? Yeah, no, that's better. That's definitely better. Okay. Yeah, you sound pretty good. Um, yeah, I just turned okay. up, you know, one of my gizmos and gadgets here in the studio, but um, yeah, it sounds like you're, you're, you know, maybe you were using a speakerphone or something and were a little bit like maybe three, four feet back, but um, it sounded pretty good right now. Uh, Sister Vera in uh, uh, up in the Great White North says that it sounds good to her, so we're good to go. I mean, if it sounds good to good. Everyone, yeah, let me know. Yeah, if you know, after all, you know, they're up there, they're dealing with polar bears, you know, all kinds of Eskimos ranting and raving and causing riots and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, if she says it sounds good, I'm good with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sounds good. Yes, yes. So it, it's pronounced coffee like the coffee that you drink except it's spelled with an ey okay cool i love it praise god and i'm a big fan of coffee so that makes it real easy to remember Heck yeah. <laughs> 
But do do go ahead and if you would share with us. So we we got the first and you know the absolute amazing testimony associated with um, your 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 NDE and all that. But then at some point. The Lord led you into spiritual warfare and everything. So if, if you would kindly share with us, you know, the journey. How did you get there? How did you get from where you were to the near-death experience then to, to, to find yourself where in a place now where you are specializing in spiritual warfare? And then if you would, tell us whatever the Lord, you know, places upon your heart to share with, with us in regard to that. Because I think um, the vast majority of the listeners of this program are keenly aware of the importance of spiritual warfare in our, in our daily prayer lives. And I believe that this will be a powerful blessing for everybody. Wow. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me back on. That invitation means a lot. I know that the Lord fully enveloped our last conversation. It was a blessing to me and I hope uh, to your listeners as well. But this is a topic I thought I knew at least some about uh, beforehand, but really I, I, I didn't know anything. And what I have come to realize is that this is a gaping mortal wound in the body of Christ. So I'll go back to the end of that experience with the Lord in 2002. And if uh, there are new listeners that have not listened to that testimony, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Just a brief synopsis. I had a visitation from the Lord in 2002. It consisted of uh, the first half was like a near-death experience. I didn't experience heaven, but I did experience going into the light, seeing that same light that Paul did on the road to Damascus. It was overpowering. There really aren't any words to be able to explain uh, the brilliance and the majesty of what I was taken up or enveloped into at the end of that experience. I did stand uh, judgment, not the final judgment, of course, but the Lord showed me what would have happened had I died at that point in my life. I thought I was saved, but I found out I was a really good pew sitter. Over the course of uh, the, I would say after that experience, the next few years, the fire from that visitation began to wane. I never could get that same blaze of glory back. I would seek him every day and never really experience that measure of being in him, not like that. He told me that there would be a time in the future when he would return like it was during that week and a half visitation. But for a period of time, it wouldn't be like that. I had no idea what he meant. So as that fire waned, so did my fervor, and I began to fall right back into the same patterns, not to the extent, but but 
the same type of behaviors, mindset, and sinful patterns that I had beforehand. I was so guilty, though. I lived this life, this this roller coaster, and I I couldn't understand why I experienced such a, a great, fantastic visitation from the Lord. And then I felt like I was kind of left out in the cold. But I had to seek him, and I had to learn. I always say it takes what it takes to get us where we need to be. And I went through what it took to melt that, melt that flesh all the way down, but to learn spiritual warfare. I, I couldn't go to my pastor. At the time, I was in a Southern Baptist church. Every Sunday, I got the Hellfire Brimstone salvation message. I thought that I needed to get right with God every week. I I couldn't even go to him with that near-death experience and hear anything other than maybe you need a psychological evaluation or, Paige, you might want to consider that that was not what you thought it was. It was some type of mental issue. So I felt like I couldn't I couldn't go to the leaders of the church. So I extended, you know, my testimony to others around me. I still didn't get any type of informed uh, theological understanding why I was going through the battle that I was after such a grand experience with the Lord. I wanted to hear God's voice. I wanted to to experience him like that again. But it's like Jeremiah said in in chapter 15, you know, Lord, your help seems like a seasonal brook. The Lord told Jeremiah, if you return to me and speak good words instead of worthless ones. So I tried to do that. I tried to to speak and claim. And I went through various um, evangelists, you know, trying to understand maybe what I needed to do that I wasn't doing. And the fight got more difficult and more difficult along the way. Well, I I reached the, let's say, eight-year mark in 2010. The Lord told me I was going to seminary. So I think, oh, wow, that's going to be great. I'm going to go to seminary, and I'm going to get out of this back and forth up and down roller coaster that I have experienced since 2002. I enter seminary and realize that we met with a hand saying, we don't want any of that pink cloud Christianity charisma here, but we will train you theologically and we will basically spin you like every other robot But we're not going to teach you anything about the demonic realm, about how these demons work against you, and how they affect your life on a daily basis. So I went through six years of seminary and and didn't learn anything really about spiritual warfare that that wasn't – I guess it was like they were trying to give me something. That they themselves could not even understand from a scriptural standpoint, but not from 
a, a warfare battlefield standpoint. So I went on, got my degree. I'm out, and I'm, I'm counseling people. I am, I am sent to individuals to help them transform their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I had a demon manifest in a probably upper 60s, maybe 70-year-old woman at an event one time. I was speaking for the Lord, and she came forward for prayer, and she started swinging at me. She went for my jugular, basically. I had, uh, other than just saying I command you to leave in the name of Jesus, I just did not know how to handle uh, demonic rage that I saw. I reverted back to stories that I had, you know, I read in scripture, obviously, Jesus cast out demons. So, okay, I have a demon in front of me. That, to me, that was a very rare occurrence. But what I would come to learn is that many Christians struggle with demonic oppression and demonization. I'll explain that in just a minute, including myself. I'd graduated from seminary. I'd had that experience where the woman manifested in front of me. I hoped that we helped her, but I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think she left free. I was more fearful than anything in that situation because it really caught me off guard. <clears throat> I should have been prepared. Well, fast forward. I'm counseling, trying to help people, and I'm seeing more and more that Christians are struggling with sin. They are fasting. They're praying. They're doing what they need to do, but they're still in these cyclical patterns where they, like Paul said, do what they don't want to do, and, and what they want to do they don't necessarily do. How do you overcome not just the flesh? I'm not talking about the flesh. We know that sin lives within us, but when the enemy gets in and really begins to create that stronghold, really begins to work, how do we evict him? Well, I woke up one morning, and now keep in mind, all these things I had been pondering, I didn't necessarily know where to go, as I said, to get a straight answer other than Scripture. Obviously, that is our, that is our foremost authority. And I'm reading it, and I, I see what it says. Cast out demons. Cast out demons. But why can't the church explain this to me? Why don't I see it everywhere in the church? One morning, I wake up, and I am coming out of a dream. And I had had many dreams, many supernatural experiences to that point. <laughs> but I was still in the struggle, though. That I, I just couldn't put my finger on. As I'm waking up, I see myself in ninth grade in the dream. I'm using a Ouija board in the dream. That did happen in ninth grade with a group of girls one time. One time. As I see myself using that Ouija board, I then see the girls that I was with at the time. And I see that there was a spirit that was invited in because my will was surrendered, and I was asking during that one session, 
I was agreeing with and allowing the enemy into, gaining entrance. So in the dream, I start saying, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. I say it over and over and over. And then I come into that kind of sleep-awake state. I'm still saying it. And then I'm fully awake, and I'm still saying it. And, Johnny, I had no control over what I was saying. God was speaking on my behalf, just like he did with Moses and Aaron. And he had done back in 2002. I had had another experience where he spoke for me. That happened that morning. And I'm continuing to say, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I probably said it at least seven to ten times. Finally, I feel a uh, something, kind of a pressure, come from my lower abdomen all the way up, like across my vocal cords and out of my mouth. Well, I I thought maybe I should keep saying it after I gained control of my uh, speech, and so I kept saying it, but nothing else happened. No one was in the house but me. The children were gone. I knew it had to be God. And so I didn't really know what had changed. But over the course of the next few days, I noticed that I felt much lighter. The thoughts that I had struggled with were not present anymore. Like when you wake up and all of a sudden the hamster gets on the wheel and I'm worrying or I'm stressed or I've had anxiety about anxiety about something that stronghold was gone altogether I had endometriosis at the time female problems it was gone I felt like a a, really a cement block had been lifted off of me spiritually and then I started noticing as the uh, time progressed more changes the way that I dealt with people I I just had a, a piece about me that obviously it's the, only, it's the piece that Jesus gives, but in such a greater measure. So I'm on fire and praising God and, and thanking him for showing me that, wow, the demonic realm, obviously this is something that exists today. It's not, you know, that it was just during uh, obviously the time when Jesus was walking the earth. This was something that he commissioned us to do now. So I was faced with a big question. What are you going to do with this page? Are you going to be that one that takes a stand no matter how much of, you know, a crazy uh, person you look like that is, you know, up in a pink cloud Are you going to stand against evil no matter what and help those to whom I lead you? Like God was just really putting that question before me. No matter what this looks like, are you ready? And then I was blessed with Derek Prince's testimony. I happened to stumble upon it one day. And this was really life-changing for me at the time he said and and i'm going to paraphrase and kind of synthesize what he said because i don't know verbatim 
he explained that he was with the Lord one day. He was praying on a mountain. And he said, you know, I had at that time achieved all the degrees. I was a missionary. I was a pastor. I was an evangelist. And I had just felt like I had accomplished all that I could in Christendom. And then the Lord asked him a question. Are you ready to go to the next level with me? And Derek said it just it really he got stuck on stupid because he, he didn't know what the Lord could be talking about because obviously, like I said, he had accomplished everything. He said, I, I knew not to just answer the Lord in haste. So I sat on it for three days and I went back to the top of that mountain and my response to the Lord, according to Derek, was, yes, Lord, I, I want to go to that next level. So the Lord told him that he needed to get in shape, that he was um, he was out of shape, he needed to lose weight, and he needed to take care of his temple, and that now he was going to train him, but he had to be physically prepared for what was ahead. And that's when the Lord taught him about the demonic realm. He also shared something that I think has been a very big um, unit of division in the church that I didn't know about. But once he shared it and I began to study and break it down in the Greek on my own, I understood why it has been used divisively by the enemy to divide the church. I had been raised to believe that a Christian could not be possessed. Well, of course they can't. Their spirit belongs to Jesus. Possession denotes ownership, owned by a demon. But the word was not initially translated as possession in Mark chapter 5. The word demonize was demonized. And I, I, I realized once I began that study, I had been, by that use of the Ouija board, practicing, obviously, that was witchcraft, even though I didn't know it in ninth grade. I didn't understand what I was doing. I opened the door for demonization, and I, I didn't go through self-deliverance. I didn't go through the process of breaking those uh, connections during my journey, I went to church and I did the the Christian thing. Meanwhile, there was this hardship up and down, up and down. But when that demonization was gone, my whole journey changed. So I said, I, Lord, I have to teach this. I have... I, everybody needs to know that. You know how you, you get that major revelation. Obviously, it's it, it's new to you, but it's not new to other people. But the people around you aren't privy to it. They don't understand it. And I just really began to sit on uh, the fact that this was going to be a giant undertaking because I know my fervor and passion for truth, and I had to make this a giant commission well it just so happened that the people that the lord began to send into my path for counseling at that point 
they were struggling with that one thing, two things, three things. Some of them, you know, I, I have dealt with this since birth, and I'll use this for an example. Homosexuality. How many times have we heard someone say, I was born gay? Well, you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but you were not born making that choice. Your thoughts were nurtured because there was something generationally there that the enemy was able to latch onto and nurture that child's thoughts in the way it wanted it to go. And eventually, it would be acted upon. And there you go. You've got that entrance. And then there's, you know, no one to explain. I can't can't tell you the number of people that I was able to help get free from these bondages. Because of what I went through, that spiritual warfare I had battled and gone through i was then able to use that which is obviously our testimony all all the way around we take our god takes our mess and it becomes our ministry really and that testimony is so impactful and life-changing power of god in us and what we're able to help other people do well i started seeing transformation in the lives of those to whom he led me, you know, to help to move beyond this captivity. And I became kind of the oddball, not that I wasn't already, but even more so at that point. I learned that Jezebel was the spirit that was evicted basically that morning in the deliverance uh, that happened to me. And when I when God told me that it was Jezebel, that began a whole new level of understanding about the names of these spirits, how they attack Christians, how Christians allow the attack, and then how these spirits root down in like the roots of a tree. Or sometimes I use the analogy um, like a, a tea bag, they steep. I remember grandma used to make tea on the stove, and she would say, don't take it off. You know, it needs to steep. Well, these spirits seek to steep in our lives, again, if it's allowed. But so many of us, like in my situation, this door was opened in ninth grade. Or, you know, fast forward. And, and yes, I had, you know, uh, up and down, up and down this roller coaster, basically, that I was on. But as soon as that spirit left, it was radically different. So when, when I would watch people's lives change with such a simple, I mean, such a simple revelation that's already in Scripture, Then I would hear that proverbial, okay, well, a Christian can't have a demon. Well, yes and no. you know. And having to explain that is something that we as Christians shouldn't have to do. This should be something that we do on a daily basis, help people in this freedom. So I had had the, you know, that word of faith, prosperity teaching early on. 
because I was I was trying to find out why I couldn't get to that place where I was in 2002 with God, what I needed to do. And it wasn't that I needed to do anything necessarily that I wasn't doing. I made myself just exhausted trying to make sure I was fasting enough, praying enough, you know, going to church enough, making sure that I had community enough, not realizing what I was searching for. I didn't understand at all, even though it was right there in front of me in scripture. Well, I said, Lord, just like Jeremiah 33, three, reveal to me the mysteries. Reveal to me that which I could never know. And he began to do just that. And and that's when I started learning about demons and their rank and their file and and how how they deceive so many so easily because we're we're just looking the other way turning the blind eye marching right into the pit some of us and these strongholds that develop and and how you know in in the life of a believer we've got so much stuff a lot of us that we really haven't fully surrendered to the lord or you know, allowing captivity in certain areas or thinking, you know, hey, I've, I've, I've given it all. I've done it all. But there are those things that we don't talk about. Well, thankfully, now, and it's just the way that it has worked out, Johnny, that the people that the Lord sends my way, whether it is it, it's praying over them, you know, that they would really just understand and receive What's already in scripture that, hey, guys, this is for today. It's not, it hasn't passed away. You know, there's this erroneous teaching, the gifts, you know, they passed away. And you know what I'm talking about. But demonization is real. And what these, what these things seek to do and have done over the years, that buck needs to stop now. And, and praying the ability for us to pray for our children and cancel the assignments the enemy tries to bring against our house, tries to bring against our children, we all need to be strengthened in that area and know what the root of this evil really is and how these, these occult spirits, you know, I'm not sure if your listeners have heard about the power Obviously, the power of God is so much greater, um, but not if we cowtail to the the fear the enemy tries to put on us. But knowing, and I just listened to you talk about all the deception, just that great deception that so many are under right now. It is the church that needs to stand and say, no, no, it, Get behind us, Satan. But instead, we, so many of us, have just gone right along with the marching orders. It's platforms like yours and and what I've been doing that is necessary in this hour. So with that being said, I asked the Lord, you know, okay, I know that back in 2002, after that near-death experience and, and you showed me, how back then, now he didn't show me what I had learned, you know, from basically 2013 onward after that deliverance that morning. 
but he did back in 2002, which makes sense now. He showed me how my family specifically had opened the door for the demonic realm to control them. And and after he showed me the bad things, you know, I, like I said, I stood judgment. This is back in 2002, and he showed me all of the all of the sin in my life, and how you know I had gotten comfy in that Laodicean Christianity, and how so many were deceived in the same way. But after he showed me all the bad things, all the sin, everything after. I had become accountable for my actions. He moved me from that place, that experience after I went to hell. And he showed me all the things I could have never known about this kingdom of darkness that had been allowed to control my bloodline. Well, I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know the names, uh, you know, how how long it had gone back generationally, etc., But he introduced me because I think about what Jesus said, (laughs) like, wow, Lord, you knew that back then I couldn't have handled, like Jesus said in John 14, you can't handle it now. I I will tell you later, basically, but not right now. Back then in 2002, he knew that it wasn't the right timing for me to get all of what I know now at one time. And that I had to learn by going through the fire. You learn how to fight your enemy by fighting the enemy. That's why my seminary professors as a whole, and there was one that, that was a prophet and he was a rarity as a whole, they could not really explain spiritual warfare without using Christianese and not being able just to say, hey, look, this is how the enemy operates. This is why you do what you do, and this is why you struggle with this or struggle with that. No. You learn in battle, you know, how to fight by fighting. So our ministry now, I think I shared with you last time that my husband and I have a church in Mooresville called NUMA. N-U-M-A, which of course is breath, wind, spirit, uh, in Greek, Numa Ministries. We have not specified as much on the website, but we have opened our doors to deliverance and inner healing. And what I've learned is that the inner healing needs to occur first. I learned a lot about how the enemy uses trauma. As a matter of fact, that's what our message was on today at church. I gave the message today, and it was about trauma and how the enemy uses trauma to then root and stay hidden because the majority of people don't deal with that trauma from the past. The Lord took me back and had me go through my points of pain and see where I had allowed what my mother had allowed, my grandmother had allowed, and so on and so forth. And and then the things, you know, with my paternal bloodline as well. If only someone way back when would have, you know, there would have been a class, at least an introduction 
but instead we had the Sunday school and, you know, I don't, I don't want to mock, but that ritualistic tradition over relationship, over the reality of what we really go through in our battle. And every day I have been presented just like today. I, without going too far, I had a situation where I had arrows shot at my husband and I today. But we had had a dream a couple weeks ago. My husband did, and then I had one similar to it, saying, "Hey, look, there's just going to be there's going to be this attack from Jezebel." And we watched it play out today. But had I not known what that dream meant. You know, I asked a professor in seminary about his dreams, and he said, oh, well, you know, you eat too many onions, and then you have these crazy dreams. And no, that's not it at all. God uses the supernatural to explain the natural. And and I learned that, obviously, the natural is a reflection of what is in the supernatural, the, the, the spiritual realm. Well, in explaining, just like I'm doing here now, explaining to others that this is this is real, this exists, you've got those that look at you crazy, and then you have those that say, I, I knew you were out there somewhere. Let me tell you what's happened to me. And what's happened is that we've had, we've really been inundated with people that need this truth so simple but so complex and when you you and I were on the phone last time and I just loved it because we we wound up we had so much to talk about and I love it when God is just really involved and he unites people uh, in the spirit you mentioned satanic ritual abuse and I told you then I said you know that's something that uh, I haven't not to the extent that you shared, haven't had um, really the opportunity yet to help someone, you know, be set free from the the trauma that they endured uh, and, and really have that inner healing that's available to them. Since then, there's been a lot of revelation in that area and even um, – more individuals who have tiptoed around it but not necessarily had those travesties occur to them. But I feel like that's the next level. I feel like that's maybe not the next level, the next part of this journey. And when we touched on that topic and you shared a little bit, you know, of, of your story, it really resonated with me. And ever since then, the that's what I've been learning about. I think he's preparing a lot of us that will for what we're getting ready to see in the days ahead. For all of these children, young adults uh, that, that come out of this, they're going to need help. They're going to need the truth, and they're going to need God's love and the power of his spirit for inner healing and deliverance. So when you mentioned that, hey, we need to, you know, we need to revisit this and have a continuation of our last talk, 
I knew that was God, you know, and, and I appreciate you even bringing this up and having your listeners, <clears throat> having your listeners exposed. I'm sure a lot of them are like, yes, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, but there have to be the other, the other, the other side of the fence is out there somewhere. And so I hope that even sharing this little bit that I have tonight, that somebody can identify with it. And, and what I, you know, you mentioned earlier, Johnny, you said, okay, after you shared this part of your story about spiritual warfare and, <clears throat> and how the Lord led you in this direction after that visitation and that near death experience, share something that is on your heart. Well, what is on my heart so heavy these days is the, as I said earlier, the really the epidemic is the lack of truth in the church, the lack of substance, and the lack of understanding the supernatural realm. Because the enemy is coming for your house if deception is anywhere to be found, meaning you corporate, you know, as the church as a whole. The enemy is coming after and has so many deceived, but there are those who are like just dancing on the edge, and there are those that, you know, they they don't want to be that one. Like I became that one. God asked me years ago, Johnny, he said, he, he asked me, would I do it? Now, he didn't say what it was. He didn't have to because I know, like Joseph, Derek Prince said that he knew to take God seriously. But he asked me if I would do it even if I was the only one. And I had to really sit on that. But then my answer was like, okay, are you really are you really even going to second guess that? You know what God has brought you through. You know that you can do nothing without him. So, of course. But now I see the bigger picture of that. And what's on my heart is the fact that we have to get this message out that, hey, this is something all of us have to do. Our children are in trouble, if not. And our households are on fire, if not. And especially the church is blazing. And Jezebel is sitting back, kicked back, laughing at us. They have no idea that she is right there under their roof. And that's just one. That's just an example of one. There's so many. You know, but, but thank you for asking me to come back to share the story and to share what's on my heart. There is so much on my heart, but that is the main thing. The, the, oh, the level of deception, and I want people to be open to knowing what they don't know and getting rid of their religion, religion, right? Not their faith, their religion. And obviously outside of that tradition, you know, it was the Pharisees that Jesus said, uh, woe to you with that righteous indignation, woe to you. And today I see so many Pharisees, so many people that just go with the flow, they need to come out of Babylon because it's on fire. And so with that, you know, I hope that I hope that someone has heard 
the plea of my heart and and said, "Hey, you know what? I, I don't know what I don't know what that looks like exactly in my life, but I want I want to fight and I want to know what it is that is holding back the best of God right now in our nation and in our world, especially in the church." Are you there, Johnny? Now, <laughs> yeah, you. no, I, that, that, that's a lot. And, um, you know, I wonder, given what my Bible says, and I know it's the same thing that your Bible says, I, I wonder to myself, in the grand scheme of the biblical end times timeline and where we are likely at, so I'll call up. I'm bringing something up electronically here in my um, PC st- study Bible. Hold on just a second. IT, ITC star. Let me go and see if that pulls it up. There we go. So we get the scripture here. It says, um, in, and I want to get the exact one for folks. Okay, here we go. Second Timothy four three. And I talk to people about this all the time. For the time will come. So let's stop. Mm-hmm. You know, people read scriptures, but they don't meditate on the scriptures. They don't really think them through. They don't ask the hard questions. They don't ask the why. They just read it. And they miss things so badly. They miss things. And it blows me away. Um. There's partly a part of the Bible that I can go to and read it and not say, wow, my whole life, no one has ever brought that up. Um, For example, 2 Thessalonians 2 is talking directly about the rapture, but people don't, they miss it. They miss it. Uh, And and, and it's like, I'm like, how can you miss that? Um, It says uh, here, let me see if I can uh, hit back here. Um, I just talked about this on the prayer vigil this last Friday. Hold on just a second. Here we go. So it says, you know, people miss this. It blows me away. But but right here it is. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind and trouble. Now, first off, you know a little bit about the back story there. You know that the Thessalonican church was losing their mind. People were quitting their jobs. They were so sure that Jesus was coming. We're going to be leaving, you know, and, and they were becoming busybodies. They were, you know, even to the point where Paul had to say later, he said, look, if you don't work, you're, you don't eat. Yeah. That was a pretty strong statement. And uh, so so what they had was Jesus is coming pandemonium taking place. And Paul had to come in and, sh- and shut it down. So he comes in and he says, now, brethren. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now listen carefully, and our gathering together to him. All stop. There is no, you cannot explain, there is no possible way that you can explain that except the rapture. 
Period. End of story. This isn't about you know God sending you know uh, you know new new uh, uh, you know cars to everybody across the world. Think about how big the Earth is. There are 8.3 billion people on the Earth. There are 243 countries if you include the island nations. All right. There are members of the Bride of Jesus Christ probably sprinkled across every one of those countries. Now, all that being said, it says right here, and our gathering together to Him. How in the world is Jesus going to gather all of those? People People across planet Earth to him. It has to be the rapture. That is the only possible way that Jesus could gather the people together to him. There is no other Amen. way. A little bit of common sense, but nobody reads the Bible with any common sense. They never ask the hard questions. They never ask why. They never say, how, how could this happen? How, how, you know, just look at the words. It tells you automatically. So, so anyway, I, 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 I talked in great detail about this uh, on the prayer vigil on Friday, Friday, but I wanted to come back to the itching ears thing. So if, if you do some study, and there's references out there, and whether or not, you know, there, there's plus or minus X, X number of years. You don't know exactly how many accurate they are, but they're pretty close probably about when the various books of the Bible were written. Um, anyway, let's just assume for grins and giggles that 380 roughly was when this particular second Timothy was penned. All right. Second Timothy four, three, we'll just play for instance. Okay. What does it say? So right there, it says for the time will come. <laughs> so is the time when it was penned? No, it's clearly stating that the time will come sometime in the future, but it's not today. There's a lot of places in the Bible that talk about a time in the future, probably way in the future. And we know today, looking back on it again, in the context of the thousands of years that have passed by, since we know that that time, whatever that time is that they were referring to when they were penning this, was really into the future. But, but it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What does that mean? What that means is the church is toast. You can go in and try to revival yourself until you're blue in the face, run up and down the, 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 the you know, the, 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 uh, between the pews with your flags and everything, and whoop de doo and wahoo until you're blue. But again, if the, if the, if the, if the people are not going to endure sound doctrine, they won't. It's so clear. It says they will not, not endure sound doctrine. Now, does the Bible joke around? Does it kid around? Does it? Can you take it literally? Can you read those words and believe those words? Because I can. I believe them. And when I read not it, means not. Not means not. And what that tells me, now you can go and you can look at the reasons it says, because according to their own desires, they will have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will go to the, all the churches that accept them so that they can continue to do their, you know, Things that they do that are should, should, you know, the Bible. If you know your Bible and you know First and Second Timothy, if you know the Book of Titus, you, you understand that they're you know you basically out of love. You privately go to the individual who's doing naughty things, and you you don't embarrass them in front of people, but you say, look, you know, you, brother, sister, you know, um, you know, you really can't be practicing those kinds of things and still be coming here. The Bible tells us that you give the person three times, you counsel them out of love which means you're not embarrassing him in front of other people, you counsel them three times. If they don't come around in the third time, you have to very lovingly and nicely 
take them to the door and say, I'm sorry, but you can't, you're not welcome here. You, you, you haven't responded to our request to correct that particular issue that you have, the Bible says. We don't have that. We have, oh my gosh, the things that are going on right now. I, I guess what, the reason I went down this path is because in the grand scheme of all the things that we have on our plates to accomplish, which is huge, what can we accomplish effectively, and what may prophetically be a lost cause? Because the Bible says they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not. That means to me that we could go on this big rampage and think that we're going to save churchianity, but really there's going to come a time, the Bible's very clear about it, that there ain't going to be no saving of churchianity. Churchianity is not going to be, forget it. It's just, it, you've experienced it, I've experienced it. I can, I can go, I, it, any given Sunday, whatever, any given Wednesday night, I can go to a half a dozen Pentecostal and Assembly of God churches, and let me tell you something, they're nothing like they were. You compare them to the way that they were in the 70s and the 60s during the early care charismatic movement and all that, oh my gosh, it's night and day. The, the, the church that I grew up in, they had weekly sessions which, where they did nothing but bring down the baptism of the Holy Spirit on anybody who would walk <laughs> up forward. I mean, people were going out in the Spirit, speaking in tongues all over the place. It was standing room only. There were people standing out in the parking lot just so they could see in the door. It doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. You got everybody out there screaming, revival, revival, revival. But the problem is no one wants to endure sound doctrine because sound doctrine includes the black terminal of the battery. It the, does. The, the current of the Holy Spirit doesn't flow unless there's genuine fear of God. And that's the problem. It's missing from the church. Everybody wants to make up excuses and say, well, fear of God, really, it's just kind of a reverent thing, you see. It, it doesn't have nothing to do with hell. You, you know, it's just, you know, well, it's a reverent fear. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's fear of hellfire. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yep. We, we, the church spends so much time thinking of ways to sin and use the Bible to sin. They use the Bible, they twist it. They look for one word, one sentence, one verse out of 31,102 verses. They'll look for one verse so they can sin. And, right. Oh, dispensation doesn't really mean... Right, right. It's like dispensationalism. Like, really How many times that. people will tell you that they'll be like, "Well, Jesus was talking to the Jews, you see, so that doesn't really apply to us." And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> okay. Well, my Bible says in Ephesians two uh, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, it says that Jesus broke down the middle wall of separation and made the two into one, Jew and Gentile." Okay, so in that case, guess what? Jesus was talking to us just the same as he was talking to the Jews. So don't use your funky, you know, uh, uh, twisted version of dispensationalism to try to get yourself off the hook for the things that Jesus warned us about that would end up sending us to hell, which is exactly mm -hmm. what the church is doing right now. Okay, so in order for revival to occur, in order for the things that I have dear to my heart, that you have dear to your heart to occur – when I read the scripture and I see what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit ultimately told us was going to happen, when? Now. It's right now. 
I mean, you could say, well, it started back in 1985. Yeah, you'd probably be right about that. The point is, when I look at the grand scheme of all the stuff that we need to accomplish, I don't, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there, I, when I look at church, you, you know there's over 380,000 churches in the United States, right? Oh, yes, on every corner. I know, right? Now, now where are you going to start? And and aren't they going to just escort you out the door? Aren't there ushers going to come and get you and get rid of that crazy person and send them out? They are. They're going to protect their – they want you to sign their little piece of paper and say that you're not going to cede to anybody else except those who feed you, so you're part of our club. And I've 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 gone through all that. I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So anyway, the reason I brought that up is because – Given the commission that you've been given and others as well have been given, I wonder where our time is best spent. Taking into context what God has told us is already going to happen, that we can already see happening with our own eyes. I'm not going to name names. I will never do that. But I can name churches. I can name names. I can give examples of why. I can, I can all that stuff. But I won't. I will never do that because the Lord told me I, I must, must never, never, never do that. And it's a long story. But I'm not. I'm not going to go there. My point is this: How do we get more done by focusing on the things that we can accomplish versus the things that were pro- prophetically stated by God? that are going to happen whether we like it or not. In other words, the church, the, you've got the falling away. You know, uh, some people say the falling away is already happening. I believe that it's going to be a much bigger event than what we've seen thus far. But Oh, yes. Point, Me too. But, I agree. Oh, yeah. The falling away. I'm so, – you know, not to, not to completely, you know, uh, cut somebody's umbilical cord or, or whatever, but, you know, I, I, I'm absolutely beyond positive that it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a massive, massive alien uh, event. It's going to be otherworldly beings. Uh, you call them fallen angels if you want to, whatever you want to call them. That's fine. I don't care. I don't get lost in glossary terms. The point of the, the, point of the matter is the one thing that could cause – that could really cause a strong delusion, that could really – God can look at the hearts of all the hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that are in the churches right now, and you bring an alien invasion to this earth of a magnitude that is absolutely mind-shattering, and guess what? There are going to be so many people that doubt their faith, doubt Jesus Christ as Lord, and when those things show up and they tell everybody that we are your creators, they're going to, be, they're, 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 they're going to lose all their faith. They're going to completely lose their faith. The church is ill-prepared for dealing with these things, even though they're all over the Bible. You just have to know what you're looking at. You've got to take it literally and read it. I mean, I, you know, I, but anyway, so my getting back to the, the church thing, is our calling to go there or is our call – and not that they don't need it. You know, they need it really bad. To your point, boy, um, I've I've – Demons are inside of the people inside the church. They are in there. Yeah. They live in there, just like it says in Luke yeah. twelve. Uh, you know that you know you you know uh, you, you, 
I don't have my scriptures here in front of me, but in Luke 12, it talks about, you know, you, you, you got to first get rid of the strong men and then you will clean the house. Okay. Then it also That's says right. that they will bring seven other spirits more wicked than themselves and they will enter and dwell there. Right. And it tells you why, because the, it says the last state of man will be worse than first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. They fail to go and sin no more. They, they need to be taught when you, when you cast demons out of a person, you don't just go in the name of Jesus, I bind and cast you out into the pit. And then you grab them and pat them on the head and say, hey, thanks for stopping by. I hope to see you next Sunday. And you just send them right out into the street. You don't do that. You have to teach them how to fight back. You've got to teach them what they need to do to make sure that they can't go out and sin lest the worst thing come upon them. They, That's but, but, exactly but, right. They don't prepare for that second right. That second time that those demons come back because they came, you know, okay, they seek rest and they find none. So they go back to their former home and they're like, hey, you know, it's not, it's not so easy to get in this time. Just like you said, they go back and they get seven more. The person's much worse off than they were before. Well, that shepherd, the watchman on that wall should have prepared them and said, look, go and sin no more because you're going to be much worse off if you don't than you were before. Yeah, it, it, and so I guess we're, so. Why this? Why this circle of thought? The circle of thought for me is how do we how do we looking at the state of the world, looking at the state of the church, looking at the prophecies that are obviously true and happening as we speak, also acknowledging something quite noteworthy, which is we know that. The only reason why Satan isn't allowed to destroy and murder and slaughter all of us right now is because of he that restrains, which is in Second Thessalonians 2. Now, so we know that God is still restraining because if he wasn't restraining, the earth would be toast. It'd be on fire right now. Now, but what we also know is that God, for the first time since the flood, has allowed Satan's army of darkness to perform a massive attack against mankind on a global level. Okay. First time. And that was the, this, this, this gain of function plandemic thing that we're all still to some degree going through and maybe have lost family, which I have. My point is, is we've crossed the turning point in the grand scheme of the entire, all the way from Adam and Eve until now, that pandemic was a massive end times turning point. It is the first time since Noah's flood that God has allowed the darkness to attack the entire earth. <laughs> okay, that's huge. So looking, so, so what, what assumption could we weave in? Time is getting short, really short. We don't know how long that is. Comparatively speaking, from you know Christ rising again to now, you know if you were to draw it out on the timeline, it, you probably don't have an awful lot left. That being said, how do we take how you know you had started learning through you you'd said you'd you'd work with um you know Prince, which is awesome work, but how can other people? get involved and focus their energy and their gifts in all that and do great, wonderful, good things, you know, stomping out the works of the devil, just like Jesus did, like we're all called to do. What, 
where 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 can people turn? How can they get involved? How can they do things? What what would you recommend their starting point to be and and such? You know, where do we go? Because if we go to the church, they're just going to throw us out in the parking lot. That, I believe that remnant is exactly what you are referring to now. Where do we go? Where do the ones that know they're not where they need to be, but they don't necessarily know where to go? Home groups, you know, studies out in the coffee shops and getting together and, and trying to put their heads together and, and hear what the Lord is saying to them. Okay. What's the next step, God? And that's exactly what we did, Johnny. Uh, my husband and I, I had had many uh, dreams and, and visions about things that were coming in the future. He began to dream about it too. And it, it wasn't that we were just going off of dreams and that's it. It was a combination of the word. It was a combination of combining the revelation and the word and the wisdom of the others that the Lord was leading into our path. And we said, okay, we've got to do something about this. So, you know, it's like you said, there's hundreds of thousands of churches. There's one on every corner. But what makes ours so different and what I'm seeing as a whole with the others that are I would say plural, but I mean, there's at least other people that are trying to do the same. Coming together as the body of Christ, as a church, getting out of that paradigm all together and saying, all right, we're going to not just do what Jesus did, but be who he go about doing the same thing, using the word as an actual weapon against the enemy it, and like you and i on the phone right now or, or on the air right now we were joined together god said hey look there's one like you all right you guys put your heads together look he, he's got this platform you've got this platform you know you're going to record this many people are going to hear it and, and you take it and you put it on your platform we're going to get it out there and then people come together and say okay all right how are we going to take this next step we have to just do it on purpose and what is it it's like you said all uh, right you've got to know when to drive the demons out you've got to know when to appropriate the healing that really we already received at the cross oh that's another whole other you know, topic and understanding what Jesus has done for us. The time, I believe, like you, you said, I, I do believe it's very limited. But pulling people out of that escapism mentality as well. There's so many that are trapped there. Like, okay, well, just, well, now all of our brothers and sisters, well, they're just going to capsize, so we're going on. It's knowing who, like, who is, who, who's like us bringing them together i can't tell you how much of a blessing it has been to start this church it's not an institution i another big big soapbox i would say soapbox and i shouldn't say it like that but I, I just see the big problem with this corporation that has become a business you know of the church and it coming out from underneath that system and just being the church and understanding what that looks like. But I can't tell you the number of people that the Lord has brought in our path 
Johnny, that that say the same thing. We don't necessarily know uh, what we're supposed to be doing, except that we don't belong there, and we know that they have turned us away, and we know that we're supposed to come together with other people that are part of this this remnant that's been extracted and do this together until he calls us home. The rapture, I'm so glad that you oh, that you teach that and that you are so passionate about the rapture. The people that don't believe it's, it's even going to occur, uh, they're everywhere. So the next step is number one, I believe, coming out of, and this is what the Lord asked me uh, years, a couple years ago, about five years ago. He asked me if I was in a machine. I didn't know what he meant by that. And then and, you know, little things started coming here and there. And he said, okay, when I realized that the church was the machine. So I said, yes, I'm in a machine. Then he said, come out of its systems. And that's when we began this journey of coming out of the corporation and understanding what that was. But I had to get that churchianity out. And then he led me to other people that would would mindset, sound doctrine, obey sound doctrine, move in sound doctrine. And so that next step is allowing him to connect us with other people in the same space ready to do this. And then the next thing truly is actually doing and living the word. So like you said, it's right there. My Bible says this, uh, but they'll swear to you that their Bible says something totally different or maybe just omit part of it. No, that's for today. So let's do this and prepare the bride to be without spot or wrinkle. There's so much sin and and just acceptance of what's out there today because they don't want to go against the grain. And there are those that take that stand and say, no, we are going to go against the grain no matter if we are the only one. But we find that we're really not. And it's so refreshing when we come together and we see, wow, okay, you're ready to do this too. All right, next step. We may not be able to run back and, and put that fire out. But the the real fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to recreate what has been. You know, I, the Smith Wigglesworth and, and the, the, the faith leaders of yesterday. Um, I know you talk about John G. Lake. And, and so we need to not mimic them necessarily, but in this day that we're in, do what they did, but greater. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> so Curry Blake, uh, I I studied for oh golly, I don't know. It's it's a long story, but I, I studied 
for many, 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 many years. Um, and anyway, uh, under so many people, I can't even list them all out. My, if I was to create like a bibliography of people that I studied under, it would be pages and pages and pages long. Uh, every single topic you could ever think of. But anyway, um, uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, Curry Blake's testimony. He, he said, uh, you know, I watched uh, David Hogan, Faith to Raise the Dead. And evidently it was at some point was available in DVD format or whatnot. And, and he said he sat there and he was like, I got to have it. I have to have that. I have to. Ha- I, that, that is that. That's me. That's me. And, and he just got, you know, the Holy Spirit just totally overwhelmed him. He's watching this testimony. He's absolutely riveted. He watches the whole thing. And he's like, that is what I want in my life. That is how I want to serve God. And it is anybody who hasn't seen David Hogan's Faith to Raise the Dead when he's up in the, uh, up in the uh, panhandle of Florida at this one church. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. If you haven't watched it, then I'm sorry. Uh, you're not going to be allowed in the Johnny Baptist. Uh, kindergarten class for uh, spiritual warfare. But but anyway, um, it's prerequisite, okay? But it will blow your mind, and it will motivate you. It motivated me so strongly that I started buying all kinds of DVD training sets, uh, things like that, uh, you know, the SWAT, the uh, spiritual warfare, uh, uh, apostolic training from Curry Blake's operation. I don't agree with everything he said. I found a few holes in it, but that's beside the point. We all have holes. So anyway, so um, – but he what he said curry blake as he was giving his testimony he said he said you know what he goes i just wanted to do it so bad i just started to mimic everything that david hogan was doing and <laughs> and i thought to myself you know what why wouldn't you if you wanted to be like jesus and you're walking along beside jesus and jesus reaches over and he says unclean spirit come out in Jesus' name, or what? Well, he wouldn't say in Jesus' name, but you know what I'm saying. But if he, but but but, wouldn't you mimic that? Of course you would. Of course you would. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus around, see how Jesus acts, and you're going to do exactly like Jesus did. If you wanted to be like one of the apostles, you would follow them around. You would learn what they would, whatever they were willing to teach you, and you would you would do it. And that's actually how he got started, is he uh, was so jacked up and pumped up by everything that he learned by, um, you know, the David Hogan teachings, that uh, he started to go, he literally would just drive down the road, and he would see a church on the side of the road, and he'd walk in there, and he would wait until he could get a private audience with the senior pastor, and he would say, you know, I'd like an opportunity to speak at your church. And he just he would do this over and over and over again. And he, he explained, you know, he was rejected an awful lot and this, that, and the other thing. But then there was this – then it happened, the moment, where this senior pastor decided to give him – he could see he was really juiced up and he really wanted to do it. He, his heart was in the right place. So he gave him this room downstairs inside the church. And he said, you know, every Wednesdays or whatever between this hour and this hour, you can – you know, teach stuff, whatnot. So everybody comes in, you know, place is full. He's going to be talking about divine healing, which, by the way, is directly related in many ways to not always, not always, but frequently related to the presence of unclean spirits. Now, so anyway, yeah, you know, it's, it's, as, as Jesus said, spirit of infirmity, come out of him, enter him no more, you know, I mean, right there you go. So, so this is amazing. So, so Curry Blake had a cold that night. This was his big debut. The room is packed. 
Now, some people will say the faith is always the, the faith must be in the person doing the praying. That's where the faith needs to reside. It doesn't have to be in the person who's the victim. And I can show you a bunch of scriptures that will prove that that is not accurate. It's both. It's always all of the above. And, but this is amazing. So he goes, so he has a cold, so he pops a couple of Sudafeds, right? The Sudafeds get him all goofy feeling. And so now he's up there and he's not only is he preaching, but he's getting all kinds of on fire because the Sudafeds got him all goofed up and feeling kind of dorky and weird. And he's just, he's just going nuts. And, and of course, when he's going nuts, the people in the audience are going nuts and everybody's going nuts. And then the Holy Spirit just comes in and takes over the place. And then people are just receiving divine healing after divine healing after divine healing. After, and then the senior pastor's like, Bro, how often can I bring you back to the church? <laughs> you know, he's like, now he's a regular. But it all happened. The funny thing about it is the irony. It wasn't that it. It wasn't a matter of technique. It wasn't a. It was a matter of passion. It was pure passion. It was being excited. It was being that that brought down that that. It's like um, if you start to laugh and other people in the room hear you laughing, it's like it's contagious. Well, guess what? Passion about Jesus, passion about the Holy Spirit, passion about the power of Christ, passion about miracles. Those kinds of things are contagious. And when everybody catches that contagiousness of the Holy Spirit at the same time, the movement of the power of God is absolutely unstoppable. And the yeah. irony is that he found that out by accident by mimicking David Hogan. <laughs> and I was like, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but anyway, I just had to share that because it, it, it is, if, if you haven't uh, heard the David Hogan uh, Faith to Raise, Raise the Dead uh, 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 series, boy, oh man, that is life changing. It's amazing. Praise God. Wow. Yeah, I just, just typed it in and put it in my uh, favorites. That is the, I'm so glad that you brought up faith and, and the, the power, the power of God to raise the dead. We missed that part too in scripture. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast the demons out. Oh, they go they they go together. You can't separate one and not have the other. And I was asked, I think it was last last week, I was asked why we haven't seen the miraculous like they did in the early church. If these signs follow those who believe, why haven't we experienced that? Why hasn't that been the experience of the church? And I, I said one word, religion. That legalistic binding that cuts off the oxygen supply, and of course the enemy is right there at the helm, that usurps every bit of the power of God that is allowed. Again, I remember years ago, I, I went to a revival at a local mega church, and this leader had incredible, I mean, just incredible faith. But there was a, a giant part of that ministry, uh, that faith basically, that did not the signs and wonders. That's this this faith that brings a, you know a thousand or more people in the door. 
so to speak, but not that builds upward, like Ephesians 4:11 explains, that maturity of the saints. So I asked the Lord that night when I got home, I said, Lord, you know, the, the, the faith, of the, I just saw this tremendous faith. They've been fasting for 40 days, and, you know, they, they wanted to see the miraculous, but you don't see that in this church. It's really just your typical mega church. What's missing, Lord? And that night, I heard the Lord say, I saw a vision, and I saw all these little children running around in a ring, and they were partying and having a good time. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, there are some things, Paige, I can't do inside their limitations. Their limitations, not his limitations, their limitations. Man, that really spoke to me. Whether it's legalism or it's just the the lack, it's still a binding, a quenching of the Holy Spirit. That quenching. Can you believe, can you believe the amount of... Churchianity that doesn't even believe in the power anymore. Yes. It's, it's, it's mind shattering. It's mind shattering. So, so if somebody wanted to get do more, what would you recommend? Like, a home, start out with like a home Bible study kind of a thing, and putting like notes on, going around your cul-de-sac and putting little notes and say, "Welcome to my, you know, come on over, have some, you know, I don't know." <laughs> I just this is too funny. The Lord just popped in my head. I can't help it. Hell of a good dip, right? <laughs> We'll get them juiced up with some hell of a good dip. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You, you nailed it uh, on your, it's actually on the bottom of your email. And I thought, wow, I have to, um, I have to take that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if this was a quote or not. I'm going to pull it up right now. I loved it. I said, wow, this is amazing. But you nailed it. You said, um, after your signature, we are yeah, fishers of Yeah, I have, I have like a mini Bible there, don't I? <laughs> yeah, it's great, though. And I always read that with you know, people because it's really their heart, you know, what they put under their signature. We are fishers of men. Fishermen don't bang gongs and scream to catch fish. They wisely, in quotations, bait their hooks and capture the imagination of the fish. Oh, there's so much in that. But that's it. So you take that, what you just said, hell of a good dip, and, and you, you know, okay, I'm going to print a little flyer. Hey, are there others out there like me? I had Years ago, I had this little flyer that I, I sent out to a whole group of people, and it just said, look, this is, this is the time we're in, folks. This is what's going on, and there is a missing link. Who agrees? And then we started meeting together. Those, the remnant, really. I mean, the 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 remnant, and and I had this vision. We do have those who are just standing on the corner, banging their gongs and screaming. That's not it at all. It's like you said, it's the wisdom that you use to bait that hook, capture the imagination of the fish, and bring them in. A lot of them don't even realize. They they don't they just don't know and then they see wow there's somebody else like me so you meet together okay there's two of you well that's church getting getting out of that whole mentality you got to go to this building for church no 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 this is church right now and, yeah. and 
bringing together more of us, whether it's in a house, whether it's in a coffee shop, wherever it is, and then let God work in that. Yes. Take, yeah, no, no limitations. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, one time I was, uh, it's funny too, because I'm, I'm going out to see the same client. <clears throat> I have to fly out, unfortunately, to Las Vegas, but <clears throat> I, I jokingly say that it's the one place on earth that God is holding a magnifying glass and burning everybody on the pavement. But anyway, <laughs> but, um, but anyway um, I was sitting uh, this a couple of years ago with the client um, and, you know, I, I have my little, Jesus-y, Jesus-y things that are um, stuck on my leather brief, you know, um, but I don't flash them around or whatever. I, you know, I don't want to cause problems with the clients, whatever. Let God do the, you know, God's the one who calls. We just kind of bait the hooks, right? So anyway, I don't know if he saw the, the, the little Jesus-y things that I had on my uh, leather brief or whatever. I, I don't know what caused him to say this out of the clear blue sky like he did. But we were sitting there having dinner, and he says to me, you know what I just can't accept, what I just don't believe? I just don't believe that Bible. And he looked straight at me. He's like, I just can't believe that Bible. And then I just paused, and I said, you know what I find fascinating? is that human beings cannot conceive of existence without a point of origin. Mm. And I saw his eyes light up and he just went, he was like, it was like his supercomputer just went crazy and there was steam coming out of his ears. You know, he was like going, that does not compute. That does not compute. (laughs) Because really, when you think about it, the quintessential argument for the existence of God is the fact that we as humans are unable to accept existence without a point of origin. I can't believe you just just said that. (laughs) We were just talking about that today. It's a first cause causer. You have to have a mover to have a move. Oh, I made my ninth grade. Yeah. I was like my ninth grade science teacher's worst nightmare. You know, he, he he goes through this big long diatribe about the Big Bang and this that and the other thing, and then of course the 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 uh, you know any questions? And then I did my Arnold Horshack thing. You know, oh 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 oh, Mr. Cotta, Mr. Cotta, <laughs> and he he reluctantly picked you know let me say and I said. Who created the molecules of gas that exploded during the Big Bang? (laughs) I was not a popular student in this class, by the way. (laughs) Anyway, so so you would say you would say probably home Bible study things, things like that, to try try to get things. How would you wean people? to the how do you bring the people that come to your bible study thing <clears throat> to a place gently that is completely almost entirely the opposite of that which the rest of the world of churches is teaching 
How do you wean them with all of the predispositions and all of the experiences that they've had throughout their lives? And goodness gracious, there's over 33,000 different denominations. That If that ain't enough of a problem to deal with, how do you bring them to that place where they realize that it that there's sacrifice to be made, that there is that we were bought and paid for with a price that we have. You know, I try to I tell people all the time, I said, Don't, God is a quid pro quo God. Every every single promise in the Bible has a quid pro quo. If you do this, I will do that. If you fear me, I will reward you as this. You know, it's all over it, everywhere you look. So it's like, how do you get folks from that? Churchianity—I don't even know what you, what you, want, what you, what you want to call it. It's—it's it's like it, it, this 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 place wherever they're stuck. I talk—I I, I analogize it with getting bubblegum stuck on the bottom of your shoes and climbing up a ladder. I tell people, folks, if you want to learn about God, if you want to be all you can be for God, if you love, if you're even compliant with the one, the most important commandment of all. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, which pretty much 99.9% of all Christians do not understand and do not comply with at all. They're not even close. And I'm like, you got to break loose. you got to get the bubble gum off the bottom of your shoes. you got to realize as you're climbing up that ladder inside of the Amazon forest that you got to keep going up the ladder. Because you're not going to see that there's a Pacific Ocean on the other side of Chile until your ladder is above the canopy of the Amazon forest. But you're down here stuck on rung number nine, singing songs and whoop de doing and whatever you're doing and having mac and cheese on special days. And But you're never growing. You're not growing in the Lord. You're not learning any of the mysteries. You're not... All the things that Paul cried about. I, I wish I could teach. I can imagine Paul just there grimacing and just going, oh, I wish I, there's so much I could teach you. Oh, Lord, there's so much I could teach you, but you're still drinking milk. And now nowadays, I don't even think Paul would say that. I think he would say, you took all the Similac off the shelves in New York. <laughs> you know? It's, that's how bad it is. Nobody, everybody's just stuck right there. How do you get them to the place where they can see how big this is? That's such a great question. I think a lot of us have that same question. And unless we are living it and and really moving in that on a regular basis, I was honestly that was the one thing when we started this church that I was the most concerned about uh, because I, that's how, how do we, how do we package all of this and not overwhelm them, uh, not send them, you know, back to their comfy pew. How does this, how, how do we facilitate this? And other than the classic textbook answer, okay, God is going to have to lead this. I look back and I, and my husband was really good at helping me uh, stay focused because he said, Paige, he said, you've been trained for this over the past 20 years and especially the last 10 years specifically. And meeting them like God does with us <clears throat> where they are and determining where each person is 
with with that not clever um, not cleverness of the enemy necessarily. That's that's not what I'm talking about by any means. That wisdom of God meeting them where they are and leading them from there. And one thing that we're careful about is not disclosing too much in the intent understand that our for those that are listening our intent is not to deceive in any way or to just hit them with it whenever they get to us but not to disclose too much on our website because they the enemy will start spawning the story and send them the other way we're careful not to cast our pearls before swine and let god uh, reveal step by step the way that he wants to. So we say what we need to say on the outset. Hey, listen, this is who we are. This is what we do. Come in. And then we kind of go from there and it's meeting them where they are. I, I have seen countless people come in. They will sit and they'll, they'll say, okay, this is different. I experienced something here that I haven't experienced. And there will be those, and I call them frontliners. And I remember in our last conversation, we talked about Navy SEAL training and how this there are so few that actually graduate from Hell Week, from BUDS training, or get through Hell Week and, and go on and graduate BUDS training, and they go on to get their wings, so to speak. I find that the people that God has led to us and are a part of what he's doing right now, those that will. They are not the frontliners out there on the fences taking every single bullet that the enemy sends their way. They're the ones that – they're generals, Johnny, and they don't know it yet. And they'll come in, and you give them what you can where they are, and they may leave, and you don't see them for a month, but they come back because they know that there was something different there, and they, they go back to their mundane, and they can't get that there. And then they come back, and then they're willing to accept a little bit more and a little bit more, and you're really meeting them where they are and not just inundating them at once. So that has really helped to, to meet them where they are and then say, look, this is the truth, and you've been lied to. Now, what do we do with that? Well, you know, Jezebel's the number one enemy of the church. You're going to jump in their ear and say, oh, they're crazy, and they're going to try to – you know, they're going to try to get you involved in something that is the occult or that some esoteric group, whatever. They see that God is here now. And and I don't, in any way, I'm not trying to uh, put us on a pedestal. That humility that's necessary, the compassion, the love leading and not caring if we're first, not caring if the, the, the room is filled with people and we've got the best marketing strategy and, and we're you know, covering the best, we're targeting the best demographic. All that stuff and, and what we're doing is out. It's out. So when they come in, they see something that's, that is different. And we explain to them when they ask us, well, why aren't you a part of the corporation? Well, we tell them because uh, Bale heads up that, co- that corporation and this is used to control the church, to keep her silent, and uh, hey, Roe versus Wade may not have even been 
it may not have even been voted into law had it been that the church not turned the blind eye to the murder of all these innocent babies and explaining to them step by step. But if you do it all at one time, they think, oh, no, that and then it may be a year before you see him again. Said it's just kind of easing into the water. And then when you like today, we've been talking about trauma and understanding how a, a lot of these people, they're able to come in the door and they may not get it out of the gate, but when they experience the healing, the real inner healing of Christ, not that Band-Aid, if they even got a Band-Aid where they were, but they really get healing and they see, like you said, this has been infirmity, okay? This has been, uh, you know, this giant deception, this Jezebel spirit that has just been living inside of me. That can that can not only be identified here, but excommunicated basically from my temple. All right, what does that look like? And they experience that freedom, and that's what keeps them coming back. They're hungry, and ultimately they're hungry, or they wouldn't be there in the first place. But when you, just like Paul said, you know they they they've got to be on milk, but then they they need to grow up. It's time it's time to get off the bottle, so to speak. But a lot of people are so used to running right back to that bottle, bottle and the lioness blanket and their pacifier, and when they're ready to get rid of it, okay, we're here for you. Uh, but then that next step in, in learning how to step out and heal the sick. I, I've had so many people say, okay, well, uh, you know, we just speak it and it happens. No, <laughs> you don't just speak it and it happens. It is a coordination like you said, of our faith. It's a coordination of understanding the word and using the word because you better believe that the enemy is going to use the word against you. He knows it inside and out. The demons believe and tremble. What's the difference? The spirit of God living on the inside of us. And I can tell you this, Johnny, the number of people that cannot, they can't even explain what salvation is. It, like, be able to just put it into words other than giving you the Christianese answers, being able to really explain being born again. It's amazing how the Christians, no wonder we're not seeing seeing the miraculous these days. You know, um, Smith, I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth who prophesied, and Jesus even said, you know, will I, will I even find any faith left on the earth? And then Smith had uh, a prophecy where he had prophesied that, uh, <clears throat> that um, you know, that, that he said in the end times, it was something along this line, I'm paraphrasing, in the end times, there will not be enough faith left in the church for anybody to receive divine healings. Now, he was generalizing, of course, and then, of course, but, you know, the thing is, oh, 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 and then J. Vernon McGee had another vision or prophecy or whatnot where he was, his, his prophetic word was that during the very end, which I believe we're entering into that time now for sure, uh, that the real um, followers of Christ are going to be operating out of houses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, individual houses, and so that kind of lines up interestingly with uh, you know, kind of your advice for for people to to look at opportunities. Um, yeah, you're and you're and it's funny. I'm sitting here just 
grinning from ear to ear when you're saying, oh, they'll come back. You know, they might not come back for a while, but they'll come back. That is like that is like the mantra of this program. It's like because I talk I cover like everything, you know, aliens, demons, you know, deep underground military bases, SRADID, you know, mind control slaves and all this other stuff. People listen to the program and they're like, man, this guy's a raving lunatic, but I can show them this stuff in the Bible. And then, you know, and then it's so funny because I'll get these emails. And and a, a person will email me, and I'll be like, man, that looks so vaguely familiar, that name. And then they'll say, I don't know if you remember me, Johnny, but, you know, about four years ago, I listened to your program, and I thought you were a stark, raving lunatic. I mean, I just needed to know who to call to put you in rubber. I mean, you needed some psychiatric help. I don't know. And, but then I discovered that all the stuff you were saying was real. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's how it works, you know. It it's like you say I mean it's almost I would feel compelled to just say to folks, what if what if the vast majority of things that you were taught in the church were not exactly right and it was much bigger than you ever imagined. And you were or what if you got shit. the story wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What if what if your entire understanding of scripture is based on a lie? Yeah, that's strong. <sighs> yeah. Them there's fighting words. Where's the ushers? Get her out of this church right now. <laughs> <laughs> Call the ushers. You know. Because that's what ushers are for, right? To throw people out that don't, you know, say the same things that you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, but they do come back, and they come back, and, and they're hungry. And we yeah. don't turn them away, but instead we just say, hey, look, and over the over the years, I've seen the people that, yeah, they come and go, and the ones that, you know, they may, they may not come back. But I use that analogy – uh, the parallel, rather, to the army and the army of God. Think about a general and, or an admiral. So the admiral, the seas, the general, you know, over the land, etc. But think about what they know about the battle, about the enemy, about the ultimate goal. Uh, they've been given by the commander in chief. The general or the admiral has been given the plan. And they know there's going to be a lot of bloodshed, and ultimately there's going to be a lot of loss. When those soldiers pulled it pulled up in those boats at, at the beaches of Normandy, they knew how many lives were going to be lost. There was going to be an excessive amount of bloodshed. We, we see now in the army of God that our weapons are not literal. They're spiritual. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? We have to learn what that means by living it. And the generals know how to use those spiritual weapons, not the physical ones. They know how to train up the ranks, the ones who are coming up. And then they know that there are going to be those frontliners that unfortunately – will always be there taking the bullets, going down, and and that's just the way it goes. But for the ones that do want to come up and that do want to move all the way, say, okay, all right, yes, I'm a general. Let's do this. Let's go. 
you're going to have information like you said you're going to get you're going to get that inside scoop before the rest of them it's not that we're any more important no but we listened we were attentive and we began to write and we began to search and we began to study and we began to compute everything that that God was putting in the, the motherboard there while other people were sleeping we were up at night you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, hungry for more. Well, welcome to being a general in the army of God. I was telling them today, why do you think all of these weapons that we've been given? Some people will get up and, oh, I put on the armor of God. But what does that really look like? What does that look like every day? <clears throat> Yeah, you're cracking you're cracking me up. Uh, yeah, that's that was I, you know it's so funny you hear people say like, in the name of Jesus I donned the armor of God and I'm like oh, no hold on a second come come here come here come here let's have a conversation that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I think you'll love this. <clears throat> it's uh it's an it's an excerpt out of a book entitled Mighty Prevailing Prayer by a guy by the name of Wesley L. Duell. And I read it uh, during the prayer vigil all the time. Um, Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Spurgeon says, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. And what's really fascinating is there's a scripture, one of my favorites. I love that. If, if there's a mystery associated with the scripture, then I gravitate toward it like, like a ravenous hobo that hasn't had a subway sub in a long time. Anyway, Isaiah... 4325. Absolutely awesome. Our Heavenly Father says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. See, we don't realize how crucial prayers are to bringing down heaven's resources, heaven's power, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. It's in the Bible, but we miss it. We think God's standing up there micromanaging every little thing that's going on down here, and that's just not the case. Look, even in 1 Kings twenty-two nineteen. You have Micaiah seeing the action going on in the throne room. And there's, you know, an endless multitude of spirits that are standing before the Lord. And, of course, that just means spirit, spirits, minor gods is what they were. If it says spirit, it's minor gods. Okay, they're in spirit bodies. They live forever. They're minor gods, little G-gods, which, by the way, is all over mm-hmm. the Bible. 
most people miss it. But anyway, they're, they're talking amongst one another. How are we going to get rid of, you know, get, get King Ahab to go and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one way and one said in another way. And they're chitter-chattering amongst one another. And one of them stands forward in front of our father. And he goes, I know. I will go down and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And our father goes, you shall and you will be successful. So what does that prove to you? It proves to you that God does not micromanage every little thing. And he actually confers with people. He works with people. When Moses said to him, hey, you know, Father, you know, maybe uh, it's not the best idea to wipe out the Israelites. Um, 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 it'll, make, it'll make you look bad in front, of the, uh, in, in front of all the Egyptians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, you don't want to do it. You know, but that God wants that. Our Heavenly yeah. Father wants us to take an active role. In through our prayer, through the calling down of his power, um, and it's right here in the scripture. Yeah. Our Father, oh, for his good. own sake. It's for his own sake. Did you know that in Daniel 9.25 and in Nehemiah 1.6, you have an anomaly? You have Daniel and Nehemiah, probably other places I haven't found yet, and they are confessing of the sins of Israel. Wait a minute. That breaks all the churchianity rules. How is it that mm-hmm. a... But wait, First Peter 2.9 says that we are chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. If we are a royal priesthood, what did the royal priesthood do back during the Levitical times? They sacrificed animals and things for what? The remission of sins. So Nehemiah is going, you know, uh, I confess of the sins of the peoples of Israel. I confess of their sins before you, Father God. So does Daniel in 925. But what? We, we've been disempowered since then? It's, it doesn't apply to us anymore? Of course it does. it's you know it's so you know anyway it's it's exciting when you start stitching together you know like so i sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap on the you know before me on behalf of the land that i should not destroy it i even i am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake for my own sake and i will not remember your sins but me and remember let us work together let us contend together that's, these are the quintessential essence of all things divine healing, spiritual warfare. It, it's who we are. It's, it's who we are. It's exciting. And it's, it, 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 it just changes everything. I, 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 yeah. I, tongue in cheek, I'll say to people on the program a lot, um, Mark sixteen sixteen. I, 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 you know, because I just love the, the Socratic method of teaching. I like to ask questions. And I'll say to him, well, right here it says, in Mark 16, verse 17, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. So then I'll stop and, I, and I'll say, in my name, they will cast out demons and, and, and speak with new tongues, and they will take up servants and they ingest. The word is not drink. The word is ingest. Anything deadly will by no means hurt them, which, by the way, aligns to Paul and Alan and Malta. But here's the point. I'll just ask a simple question. If these signs will follow those who believe, then 
what about those who the signs don't follow? Are they unbelievers? Sometimes the implied meaning of the scripture is 10 times more powerful than the explicit meaning of the scripture. But they miss that. I know. It's like it should be convicting. A person should read that and go, and these will follow those who believe. I've never casted out a demon. I've never spoke with new tongues. I've never, I've never laid hands on the sick. Nobody's ever recovered. Oh, my gosh. So that, that tells me to ask myself, what is it that I don't believe? And that's what I was faced with right there. If these yeah. signs follow those who believe, and I am those who believe, that's me, who believe, that's me, okay, okay. All right, so like you said, the, the implied is more powerful sometimes than the explicit word for word. Then what is it? I must ask myself, what is it you don't believe? Because if these signs are not following, there's something that I don't believe, right? Well, then I may not have it together. Just like Derek Prince is saying, what, what is it, Lord, that I'm not getting here? Well, you know what? When it comes to casting out demons, nope, don't believe that. You know, that, that's where I came from. Uh, and was I taught that? Nope, nope, not at all. Okay, well, then what's the next step? Uh, these signs, healing, raising the dead. Okay, well, what's the problem there, Paige? Well, the problem is you didn't believe it. So there you go. Yeah. You know, and you, you take that and... <laughs> Uh, this is I'm having a Leonard Ravenhill moment. But then there's that scripture in James that says, to he who knows to do good, but does not do it to him, it is a sin. And then I like to say, how many people did you walk by in the supermarket in a wheelchair that you never offered to pray for? Then the light bulb goes on because I'm guilty as charged. I raise my hand. You know, I never convict somebody of something else that I that I you know. A, I'm like going, hey, <laughs> raising my hand right here. I walked past a guy the other day and I didn't offer to pray for him. But we need to be doing that. We need to be touching people. We need to be changing their lives, and we need to get past this notion in our head that every divine healing is something that happens immediately. That is not the case. The person could receive the healing years later. It, you know, uh, it, it, again, that's very evident in the scripture if, if you know what you're looking for, and so, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so really, the moral of the story, the, the, the tidbit of advice, if you will, the nudge that you would give folks would be start. Just start. Look for the opportunity to bring people to, you know, maybe cook up some good food, uh, meeting over at the such and such house, you know, Bible study. Don't be shy. You know, you don't want to you don't want to broadside somebody and ambush them because they'll you'll have to deal with their demons. <laughs> Speaking of which. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
<laughs> but but that that sounds like a really cool way to kind of kick it off. I'm actually planning on ch- uh, converting my front living room downstairs and doing something similar uh, here at my place as well because I I really think I I think we need to have armies of us out there doing that because it, it needs exactly. to be exactly exactly yeah. that's it. And I'm glad that you're giving you're giving a prescription and not just a description. Okay, this is not just a you know a talk show where we're we're just shooting the breeze back and forth and talking about how bad everything is and and we're not saying hey this is this is the answer look this is the answer you're you're giving your listeners the prescription all right it, eliminate the reservation and let's do this because if you don't like Paul said about you know preaching to those in prison and what what's prison you know <laughs> what's prison is not just people behind bars but we are in this prison who's going to tell them if we don't who's going to do it if we don't we've been faced with this world changing event and there, there isn't a fix-all. We have to step up to the plate and say, oh, look, we're going to do this. And I heard, you know, do it on purpose years ago. Do it on purpose. And if you step out and say it's not the right timing, well, then do it where you are. And then he will begin, just like I said earlier, he'll meet you where you are because right now, no matter what, God is going to use that. Like you said, it's a partnership. It, it's a partnership. We have to say, okay, Lord, you know, salute. I'm here. Stand at attention. I'm ready for this. And he'll begin to send those people. The next thing you know, you know, you put that flyer up or, or you say, Hey guys, uh, just to let you know, I'm going to have. We started out online, and we said we're going to have uh, meetings via Zoom, because obviously there's people all over the world, and they can't necessarily walk to the door. So we're going to have these meetings via Zoom, and then you know our physical location. We were given that opportunity, and one thing led to another. I've often said that the people that we have in our church at this point, they were handpicked. It is uncanny how selective God was or has been in leading these people to us. Now, you know, it's a partnership. We do our part, and then, you know, he, he takes it the next step, and we do our part, and he takes it the next step. But that's what we found. And so anyone out there that's listening <laughs> that's still with us at this point <laughs> – um, it's just so so good when you get to the to the rich center of that tissy pop, so to speak. But the ones who really want to make a difference, you put it into perspective so well. We can't just go back and fix what was, but we sure can be a part of what is now and what's to come. And like like you see the analogy with Paul, right? He he says, look look. Hey, stop just with this escapism mentality. We're going to get out of here or maybe not even believing at all, but let's address this right now. All right, well, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
What's the same in the kingdom work that we have to do? What are we going to do when we're asked, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, Lord, I, I, I buried my talents because I heard you were a shrewd manager and, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want anybody to get to them, so I buried them. Okay, well, then he cast you out into outer darkness. That's a really tough, tough pill to swallow, so to speak. He cast you into outer darkness because you buried what he gave you. So that tells me I'm going to do this no matter what and have that resolve that no matter what you look like, because you're going to be the odd man out, you might as well go ahead and get your T-shirt that said, yep, it says I am one of them. That's me. And get ready because they're not going to agree with what you're doing. You're going to be different. And if God's really using what you're doing in this hour right now, there will be persecution. I want to share this dream real quick with you, Johnny, and uh, share with the listeners. A while back, I had a dream where I was in the – I was being interrogated And I had a a light above my head like the FBI, you know, would interrogate people. And the people around me were not everyday citizens, wasn't, you know, the demons and his hordes. No, it was leaders in the church. They were surrounding me, and I saw one in particular, and I won't say, but they were surrounding me, and they were – They were pushing in front of me on the table all of my past, all the things. Well, look what she did and look, you know, who she used to be, kind of of like the Pharisees did with the woman caught in adultery. You know, what are you going to say to this one? And they were trying to find anything to pin on me because they hated the fact that God was using me in that hour. And I knew in the dream they were like a mafia, these leaders, and they hated me. But I had to be willing way beforehand, even though I was being shown in that dream, look, the persecution is going to be real. It already has been, but this is going to be on a much greater scale, really. And what are you going to do when you face that persecution? Each one of us that steps out and really makes that move has to be willing, no matter what, to face the repercussions, whether it's at work. You know, your boss finds out that you're you're one of those quacky Christians. You know, trust God to give you a new job. Trust God to lead you to, lead you to the next step, and don't cower back and and allow fear to take root. When you start to see the miraculous, and you really start watching lives change, and the power of God in a way that maybe you only dreamt of, but thought, hey, maybe that's just not for me. No, it's for you. When you start seeing that. It's the fire inside. I know that you know that, Johnny, but just the people that are listening, I just want to encourage you, do it no matter what. And that dream that I had was evidence or, you know, just confirmation rather. Yep, they're going to shred you. They don't like you, but that's the mafia. That's the mob. It'll show their true colors. You're there for those to whom I send you. And that's it, the Lord was saying to me. Don't look side to side. Look right in front of you. Stay the course. Win the race. And ultimately, this is just a passing by. 
you know, and I, I think I shared this with you in our last conversation, but I, I want to make sure that the listeners hear this. At the end of that near-death experience, when it really evolved in from kind of a heaven-hell situation to a visitation from the Lord and showing me things from the future, at the very end, I saw myself in a white wedding dress. I didn't know at the time a, a lot about the rapture. I, I didn't understand the bride of Christ. I don't know that I'd even really heard it at that point. Um, definitely not enough to be able to put it into perspective what I was seeing at that uh, time. But this beautiful, crystal, uh, brilliant white wedding dress, the, the brightest white could not even describe it. I was in this dress, and I was in an open green meadow, and the sky was blue, these big, fillowy, puffy white clouds. I began to, to rise up off the ground in that uh, last part of the visitation from God, and I just twirled up into the sky, and I went right into the clouds. I don't know if I'll be here for the rapture. But I can tell you that once I started studying scripture and really getting rooted and knowing that this is going to happen, it gave me the resolve to share it with other people. I don't care what you say. My Bible says we are going to be gathered together and called up. So just to add that little bit of encouragement, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks you got to do this because ultimately you're going to stand before him and he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? I want to be standing there, so to speak, with my white wedding dress without spot or wrinkle and say, I did my best with what I had, what I was given, and here, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, That's and my you, objective. Yes, and you can also share with folks <clears> – <throat> That the parable of the wise and foolish virgins is, you know, Jesus didn't even stop to, like, take a drink of water. I mean, he went right from the parable of the wise and foolish virgins directly into the parable of the talent of of rewards. So they're directly related to one another. And it's what's fascinating is in the parable of the talent and rewards, even the person who didn't do especially well, but at least did something was still given good and faithful servant. It was the person that totally sat on their hands. Well, that. You know, so anyway, no, um, it's it, yes, it, we we've definitely come to the point in time. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you know it couldn't have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago for whoever, but now more than ever before, particularly in light of the fact that people, you're you're going to find folks, and this is I'm experiencing it. I am getting emails from people all over all walks of life, different countries. The unbelievers. Ears are peaked right now. I mean, you will have better success witnessing about the Bible and the things that are happening around the world being very end times biblical in their nature. You will have more success speaking to unbelievers nowadays than you will people that are in the church. Because they're mm-hmm, so busy yeah. going around looking for a temple that's never going to be built. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, well, I'm it, so it, glad you said that. Oh, gosh. Well, there's no Solomon's Temple at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, so I'm just going to consider this business as usual. And uh, where's the mac and cheese? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, 
it's all good. But praise God, uh, we're we're like uh, 45 minutes into OT. I, I kind of suspected that. My bad. I should have, you know, actually. But hey, praise God. You know, let let it let 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 the Lord take control of the conversation because I really think there's a lot of people out there. Uh, I know it for sure that um, that that want to do more, but they're not exactly sure how to get started. And the best place is just like you said, you know, just, you know, don't, don't freak them out and tell them about fallen angels and giant spaceships coming down from the sky on the first day, at least wait till the second day. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, would you, would you close with a prayer for us tonight, please? Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. Lord, Once again, um, I just have the opportunity to fellowship with a brother, a sibling. I understand more now than ever what that means. And I thank you for Johnny's, uh, his surrender to your kingdom purpose and his ability that you've given him. Lord, he moved in that and his gifts and his talents. I thank you that we were brought together at this time to be able to testify. But I ask you, Lord, since you have you've watched your son move forward, he's been called the crazy Looney Tune, and the as I was called years ago, the kook. I ask that you extend his tent pegs. I ask that. His boundaries, Lord, would just be opened up and that his audience would be multiplied according to Deuteronomy 111, that a thousand times greater would the God of his fathers bless him. Because of this faithfulness and obedience, I just intercede on his behalf right now. Like we were talking earlier, Lord, it's a partnership. We work together, Lord, and right now, Johnny and I have come together to share your message. Who knows how many, but I know that there's that one. And so I stand with Johnny for not only the one, but any, anyone else, Lord, under the sound of our voice on this broadcast, the one that's hungry, the many Lord, who are reaching. They want to know what they can do. They want to know what the next step is. Maybe they, they, it's not necessarily that they've been afraid, but they just didn't know what to do. Thank you for giving them the solution and making it easy, that you'll meet them where they are and that you will use that step. As you showed me, Lord, coming from that boat and jumping way down into the deep water, no matter how deep it was, no matter what, just trusting you. I pray, Lord, in advance for each and every individual, for their ministry that will be born as a result of what they have heard tonight. I ask, Lord, that you multiply according to your promises in Deuteronomy 28. As they come into that spiritual promised land here now, Lord, that people around them would see that they really are exemplifying your word in the flesh. I pray, Lord, for the miracles, signs, and wonders 
to come forth from each one of these ministries. And I ask you specifically for Johnny, uh, for his ministry, Lord, that the, the, the secret desires of his heart, those that maybe, as you showed me years ago, that I didn't even know were there, that you would bring those to the surface and that you would meet at that place where you show him that you will fulfill those secret desires of his heart. I stand in intercession on his behalf. And I also ask, Lord, that as he moves forward, a new level comes with a new devil. And so I ask for a greater, stronger, mightier hedge of protection about him as he battles against that which hates him and wants to defeat at all costs, that, Lord, you would strengthen him in battle and that he would discover the power of your weapons in greater measure and let that be exemplified to this entire audience. That's multiplied. And I pray, Lord, that as he begins to move, the prayer vigil is so important right now. Oh, God, it's such a mighty weapon you've given us. But I pray as he takes this next step that the boldness, the ferocious Lion of Judah, Lord, would lead him in all that he does. And I pray, Lord, that the next time we come together that we're both able to testify as to what that next step looked like. We're able to converse about what we experienced taking that next step. I pray, Lord, for healing right now for anyone, anyone that's out there that's saying, hey, I'm dealing with the spirit of infirmity. Well, right now we come together again as one against those spirits of infirmity, against sickness and disease, inflammation in the body. We know that it's caused by that infirmity. Let every devil now be put on notice. Your eviction day has come. I pray that as I have testified in this journey of spiritual warfare tonight and sharing them within my story, that they will be bold now and share their story, whether it's written, whether it's audio, whether it's video, that their platforms would be realized and multiply, multiply their audience. This is just the beginning for many of us. And, Lord, I ask you specifically for the mysteries of heaven, that which we we so desperately want to realize, that you would multiply our ability to receive what's so much greater. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than ours. But I pray, Lord, that our spiritual ears and eyes would be wide open because I know that there's so much more. Oh, I love you, Lord. I give you all the glory and I thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you would send your mighty, mighty warring angels to stand watch, stand guard at the doorpost of our house. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Absolutely inspiring, powerful testimony and a great way to start out, folks. This is an opportunity, not just, a, uh, you know, of course, absolutely, you know, every uh, person is a prayer warrior. Every person is in and of themselves with their relationship with the Lord through prayer. Uh, you know, that is a ministry by itself. But when you're sharing it, you're spreading it out, you're getting more people involved and, and make, you know, and, and making it a fun time, you know, um, uh, you know, and, and inviting people in your neighborhood and getting to know people because the days that we ha- or we're entering into, um, we're going to want to have, we're not going to want to be an island. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself right now because I am an island. Okay. So I need to break out of that. Maybe you do too. And what a great opportunity to increase your value to God, to the kingdom, and ultimately where you end up landing as a king or priest uh, in the days ahead as a fellow medicoy or sufferer with Jesus. Praise God. Because uh, as, as Sister Page said, you know, you're going to get a purple heart here or there. Doesn't be ready for that. Right, but thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you, Paige. Powerful program. As always, so blessed to have you join us. Uh, today is Sunday, May the 29th, and I am going to be, I am sorry to say, but I will be, uh, well, I'm happy. I praise God that I have a job. But I am sorry to say that I will be traveling this week, and it'll be a miracle if I can get back in time for the prayer vigil Friday night. But we'll see. Uh, pray for me, if you would. If, uh, uh, I pray a tenfold blessing upon anybody who even mentions me in prayer and Paige and uh, her family as well. And thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you, Paige. God bless you. Powerful program. Mm, God bless you, too. Good night, Johnny. Good night, and good night to all the listeners. Here's your clarion call. Praise his holy name. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners that the mercy of grace Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds For they shall see my glory 